stuff on Facebook, you kind of make more of a question than a statement. Right. Through it to spark conversation. Yeah. And that's what I like. So I, I like the fact that you do that and then you kind of, everybody kind of chimes in and goes from there. Yeah. A lot of times I want to respond right away. I'm like, no, no. I just want to wait. Right. Let me see who else is going to respond. And- <laughs> Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way of doing it. You, uh, you know, Josh Benjamin. Yeah, he does the same yeah. thing. Like, I know. Uh, like he'll do the same thing, and then uh, and that gets a little. He he seems and one Ben Newswanger gets gets me sometimes. He posts some stuff, and I just don't get along with him. So who is that? Ben Newswanger. Oh yeah, I remember Ben. I don't think I'm on Facebook with him though. No. I'm not either. But like he'll he's friends with Josh. Oh, right, so right. then when I chime in, he says. He, yeah. I, he, I don't think he cares for my responses a lot of times. Uh, I think Josh has some enemies <laughs> on there. So oh, there's a couple that's why I don't understand, really... though, because, like, usually he's, like, he doesn't really pick sides. He just kind of makes, states right. facts and then kind of does the same thing with that you do. It just says, questions, whatever it is that he's yeah. questioning, and there's, then people attack him. There's two different, I mean, there's always at least two different sets of what people call facts. True. So when people state one set of what they believe are facts, somebody's like, no, no, no. Right. In this study, this, you know what I mean? Like that's how it happens. That's why it's it's, it's perpetual back and forth. Yeah, like, uh, it can't end because there's different things people think are true. I think a big one, like recently, has been socialism for sure. Oh yeah. That's so amazing. that like uh, like the idea of it and and uh, like Venezuela has been in the news so much and their socialism, you know, they have socialist co- uh, government. So like that's been a big one. I know Josh posted something and went crazy, but I know that's a big one for sure. And uh, you know, people sometimes get a little crazy. You know, just for sure. Extremes and yeah. like. There's such a we know, and I'm I'm not versed enough to go into depth, but the difference between socialism and democratic socialism, and if we look at democratic socialism, we actually read what that is. Majority of Americans that I hear, whether they're Republican or Democrat, actually feel like what a democratic socialist looks like. They actually would say like, yeah, we don't want a big government. We we do want to help these people. We do want to do this. They say all these things. But they hear the word socialism in it, and they're like, well, it's a horrible thing. So. Well, there's been a smear campaign, I think, over time about the concept of socialism. Like, once you equate it with anything, I don't know, Russian or, you know what I mean? Like, Well, it, yeah, it, what, the USSR? Like, well, that was communism. Well, that yeah. was communism, not even Russian. But yeah. Socialism at all has always been demonized because it's like, that's not what we do, and what we do is the best. Right. You know, like, so... Right. I I just think when you look up the actual definition of socialism, because you're like, in a way, it's, for me, like, personally, it's like, they... The idea of it is putting the government in charge of the economies and, like, and Mm. all that kind of stuff. And my question always is, is, it doesn't matter what government we have until you get rid of corruption. Yeah. So no like doubt. you you could change government 17 times. Yeah. The corruption isn't gone. Yeah. You're going to have the same problems. It doesn't matter. So until we figure out how to end the corruption and and have people in charge that care about the the people. Yeah. I think and I almost kind of think that's an impossibility. I think it, it is. is. It I is. Think I think the corruption comes from so high it's over the head of government. It looks at government it's and true. it's like oh you do our bidding. Like <laughs> Yeah, I forget yeah. Who said I think it, what all they said. those. I mean, communism at its core, in one paper, 
should work, right? But as long as there's greed of right. power and money, none of those, like you just said, none of those governments, nothing's going to work. The only thing that could possibly work is if you had a <clears throat> dictator that was an amazing person that really wanted... <laughs> Who could just have, like... Was like just, I'm going to make everything right. It's like, I'll slaughter people, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, I'm pretty humanitarian. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody that was just in charge that didn't play by any, uh, like you were saying, higher power rules, and yeah. but how are you going to do that? Like, it's right. all to me, it's all connected. Yeah, it's not it's imp- Yeah, you can't separate it. So, like, how do we... The only thing that we can do is try to put good shit into the world. That's the only mm. thing that can really... I mean, because... What? Who are you going to challenge? What are you going to say? Hey, uh, I'm sick of you messing with the people all the time. You you don't even mm. know who to address. You don't even... Like, well, and a lot of, too... I don't think people even really know the true... What social... What you were talking about earlier, I don't think people really under socialism, understand socialism at all. Yeah. And what the meaning of it. And the different I countries. Don't. Because when I see people talk about it, like, they're naming countries that aren't even socialist <laughs> countries, you know? They, I just did it. They talk about... I just did it. I just said Russia. <laughs> they talk about Denmark and a lot of those Nordic uh, countries, but they're not... They're not socialists. Part of what they... Some of the <coughs> things they do are socialist, but they also... Their economic system is is capitalism. So, like, they want to yeah. use those yeah. as examples. Like, China is, so, is communism, and uh, North Korea is socialist country. Like, there's some countries you're like, who wants to... Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but so I don't want to live in North Korea. I mean... <laughs> no. I mean... Uh, but I don't know. I just... I don't want to live in North Korea, but at the same time, I'm not willing to say that where I live is, like, where we live is kind of like a step up from that. It's kind of like, all right, with somebody like the Nazis, right? You're thinking about the Nazis, you're like, man, they look so crazy. Like, But what do you say about the people who smash those people? You understand what I'm saying? Like that, they're on a whole different level of, 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 you know, North Korea. Like they like laugh. Nobody's really afraid of them. No, right. You know I mean, like nobody's looking at them like, oh man. No, you made with the Chinese, you know. But no, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not. There's an entirely different element here. Of this place is built on murder. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. And nobody, and nobody, everybody just forgets that. Every day we just go on with our lives and just act like that's not happening. Yeah. We're not really talking. Are we on on? Yeah. We just said that they can't, it's not showing up. So. Well, it's not live. Oh, okay, okay. It's yeah, not it's live. It's not live. It's not live. Uh, we're, we're not on that kind of level <laughs> yeah, yet. Well, but, you gotta yeah. Get, you got to get some, like, uh, some major, <laughs> like, views and, we like, gotta, yeah. You got to get uh, technologically I better. Wi- I wish we could go live. Because, like, you got to be on, like, if you go on YouTube, they can stream it live, but you have to have, like, certain amount of views and, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Enough people need to. Yeah, <laughs> and the content we do isn't isn't YouTube-friendly, so, <laughs> you know? So. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean that's just the, the reality of it. You know, we, we look at these other boogeymen out in the world, this, this dictator, this dude over here, and then you're like, but uh, what, they're not even on the level. It's very of, true. Like what America the, is. Like there's not. <laughs> they're not even close. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean that's like that's like uh, um, 
you said you coach. What uh, what age do you coach? We have 12 through 18, but I'm directly coaching the 16s. Okay. Now, I remember when I was 16 trying to, like, play against, like, dudes who were pros. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's like that. It's like there's a there's levels to stuff. <clears throat> right. You know what I mean? There's there's levels to stuff. What's going on here is it's like we got a situation where people took power here who were murderers who would do acts of genocide and then we're like, well, why are y'all corrupt? <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's inherent. It, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like, KRS-One said, can't have justice on stolen land. But we're never taught, we're never taught a true history. We just, we never are. It's always a romanticized story of America and manifest destiny this was supposed to be us taking this stuff like it's all this idea that this is the way that god intended it to be in reality if we told the true story that we just came in slaughtering people and and raping people and started a sex slave <coughs> from the day columbus landed in you know in yeah. on the uh, island and all told we, dis- we heard the yeah. real story diseases we that would freak out in school uh, yeah i think i think what one of the things like perspective is is huge because it's like growing up black at some point in time i i realized i was like oh that means something what does that mean and then when you go and try to answer that question Mm -hmm. you're confronted with an entire history that a lot of people i grew up with had no concept of yeah they were just like what what do you mean christopher columbus is great like you know right (laughs) like there's that version but when you get the version of the native peoples, I, you know, I've been thinking about them a lot lately. Because the native people, they act like what happened to them, well, that's a long time ago. It doesn't matter. But we gave it's like them, they still live in that right now. But we gave them reservations. Right? Yeah. But they had their own land and reservations. They, they have, like, the highest suicide rate in the country. Alcoholism is terrible. I mean, like, but what would happen, really, though, if somebody came and, like, took your entire way of life oh, your entire culture everything How, what would your outlook on the on the future be yeah you'd just be like it's over <laughs> yeah. it's over you know that's how you'd have yeah, to so um uh, and you know, I, I was thinking earlier today you think you know you're talking about natives but i was thinking earlier today imagine if because from the very beginning in in the transatlantic slave trade you know the picture started to be portrayed by by white people that term wasn't even used back then but i mean that's what you term we white is today. a really recent term right? yeah it's a really recent term it's so not, but they uh, you know there was like oh these people are so violent like the violent they're they're savages <coughs> xyz imagine if right now right now people came from somewhere else that didn't speak my language and took me from my family and a and all of all of us white dudes right we just took us off from our family and put us on a boat. Are we not going to try to take over that boat? Are we not going to try to kill the guy that just took us? Are we not going to be like, we're getting back home? I mean, who would not be violent in a situation? Who's going to say, oh, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Whatever you have, whatever <laughs> you're doing with me rape, cool. pillage, and take everything. I'll just, yeah. Take my wife. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Who's going to act like that? So No for, one righteous would act like that. Right. That's just the reality. Like It takes a certain type of righteousness to even rise up against some sort of tyranny. 
you know, and then so but when people are part of the tyranny and don't understand that, they look at the person who's coming at them, they're like, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you so right. mad? It's like you don't know. Like you don't know what's going on here. Right. Like I heard a term um one time uh they were saying like how like in the Jewish community they have the word Holocaust and the word that they came up for like what's going on with black people there is it's a Swahili word called ma'afa. And that means like a time of terror or something like that. Um, because that's, mm. I mean, it. Mm. we act like that's over. And really in my life, what I've seen is that I'm living in the continuation of what my parents and my grandparents and a long line of people. I'm still yeah. living in that yeah. thing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'm, it's still a fight. Um, it's still a fight for your dignity and place in the world. Yeah. Because realistically, the other thing I was thinking about the other day, I was like, where in the world is there's a black leader who is feared by the world? Do they exist? Well, even Do if they, they exist, even if they did, you wouldn't hear of them. Yeah, but still, yeah. like, like yeah, the, I mean, the fact it, that we can't, we can't, we, there's nobody coming, there's nobody like uh, black Putin. You right, know? Right. <laughs> like, there's no, There's nobody like that. Right. Because there's there's still a right. thing in the world that's like these people like aren't even in the big game like they're you know what i mean like it, and that's a continuing thing man and, uh, it's all about your narrative a lot of these people i grew up with like you said they were indoctrinated into thinking yeah. that they were part of the heroes of the story yeah, right and so in reality you know what i hear you saying and i mean i've had this thought before that some of the most, the most, the most patient, the most, I don't even know what other word, it's, but patient people in our nation are black Americans. I mean, can you imagine if, if what was done, Africans, would have been done to white people? And mm-hmm. now, we're, now we're at this place where, where we are today. Wait, people would be going insane. Like, they would have went crazy a long time. They would be violent all the time. All the time. And people don't understand that because they don't understand your story. They yeah. don't understand your history. They don't understand that life is not all one perspective. That just because you see out of your eyes doesn't mean that somebody else isn't seeing a completely different picture. Yeah. And that's why I think, like, I think hip hop really changed the minds of a lot of people because it introduced people to concepts from a predominantly black perspective. You might be like a white kid in suburbia, but you get to hear some of his thoughts and you get to be, Mm. you start to hear and then you're like, dang, like, dang, that resonates with me. And then, you know, it creates a different type of person. But, you know, set aside from somebody who uh, never would ever speak to a black person in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a different type of human being than somebody who has somebody in their headphones talking about things that, you know, having conversations that black people have on a record. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. I think without that, I can't even imagine where things would be right now. Yeah. Anytime that we can have more discussion on the real issues it's a positive thing i mean i can i can go through my life i could i could have easily went through my life and never had to think about the fact that i'm white like i don't have to walk into a grocery store and think 
oh, I'm, I'm white in here. I, go, well, I don't have to go to yeah. a bank and think the fact that I'm white. I never have to think about the fact that I'm white. But I know that my black friends have to walk into places and think about, all right, I got to watch how I'm picking stuff off the shelf and putting it back because there's eyes on me. It's. I, was listen- I don't have to think like that. I was listening to... Uh- this one guy, his name's Crypto Blood. He does a lot of cryptocurrency stuff, and he had this guest on. And this guy was uh, was huge when Bitcoin was only a couple dollars a piece, and uh, actually moved to somewhere in South America. And he was telling a story, and he was like, "Well, I went into the store, and it was weird, like because in I guess in the <coughs> South American country he was in, he's African American, and like there, it's complete opposite." Like, they, nobody was like, he he said it's just the strangest things. Everybody wants to talk to you, like, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you feel very welcomed, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the opposite there. And he said it was so different moving from here to there, mm. you know, and I forget, I think it was, I don't remember, I think it was Brazil, I'm not sure, I can't remember what, which, which country it was. I mean, it's, it is, it's really weird because... <clears throat> I think, you know, I'm you know, I'm 32 now, you know, and in my 30s, I've really been able to look at the person that I've been for, you know, a good decade, you know. And I and I'm starting to see the you know, the and it starts earlier than that, but there are certain things parts of my personality that I've created in order to appease white people. Mm-hmm. Like this one time, you know, one of my jobs um, before the job I got now, I was talking to this dude and he was like, he's like, sometimes, Will, he's like, you sound like a 12 year old girl or something like that. You know, I could have took offense to that. But then I was like, what is he getting at? And then I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you know, why I did that. Uh, I created a voice some years ago to not scare white people. Mm. There was a voice that I created. Right. So that I didn't alarm white people. So I wouldn't be, you know, because you get with this bassy voice, you know, there's a different reaction. Yeah. So that made me start to think, what else have I put on in order to, you know, living in Ephrata, it's it's not even dealing with a little bit of white people. It's dealing with predominantly white people for 20-some years, 26, 27 years. So... There's a whole part, there's parts of me that I'm having to find and kind of rip out now. You got to deprogram yourself. I have to deprogram certain things. Because nobody was there to tell me that that was going, like my parents, my parents didn't grow up in this. So they they grew up around black people, you know. They didn't, they don't know what it's like to really grow up in that situation. But they did, and I never will blame them and be like, oh, you moved away. Right. I can't do that because I see what you were trying to do. Like, you were trying to to make a better life for your children. Sure. And that's, I I can get with that. But you didn't see really, you know, you didn't really see what was going to happen. You didn't see that there was going to kind of be like a a tug of war for my soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to the point where I remember when I was younger, like, <clears throat> I got to, like, when I was in, like, seventh grade, I remember I got real militant. Like, I like, like I, I had a real militancy about me because I was, like, 
oh, like, yeah, I started to really wake up to it. I'm like, oh, there's people treating me different. There's people, there's girls who, you know, won't mess with me because they, they'd have to explain that to their dad. Like, you know, those things started to tick. And, uh, you know, during that time, though, I, I had to realize, like, it's, it was going to be like this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was gonna, this was going to be my reality. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's got to be tough for a seventh grader. Yeah, it was. It, 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 I was really. I've always been into. You know, I'm a knowledge seeker. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this show is for knowledge seekers. It's for people who you know, um, you know, who care about truth. And as I got older, you know that th- that was also coming up. Like my grandmother had died like a year before that. So like things had become the like started become serious. You know, I started really studying religion and stuff like that in that time. And then when you do that, you know, it opens you up to history. And then you're like, oh, like, this is this is how things got like this. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It really is. It is. And that's deep. You know, that's deep. From a psychological standpoint, it I, I don't think that there was anybody in my world who could guess that that was happening. Right. You know, they just did. Right. It was an oversight because it's like if you don't really have an experience like that, yeah, you're not gonna think that that's what was going on with people. Like you're not like, you know, there was a lot of people <coughs> who would, you know, you know, during that time, they're like, "What are you so mad about?" And I'm just like, "There's a entire world full of things that I would like to explain to you, but." You know, you're just gonna look at me like, why, why, why you gotta be like that? Why are you talking about slavery? Stop talking about slavery. It was a long time ago, man. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is saying, like, I'm like, man, but I, I'm living in the remnants of this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, but in they, reality, it's like right in front of their face, but they're like looking through their fingers. Like, I don't. Yeah. Not seeing it. It's right here, but they're not. They're not seeing it. You ever see a little kid when like you catch them doing something? And like they're like, and you ask them something, and they just won't say nothing. Right. That's what it's like. That's what it's like. It's like a deer in headlights. Like, what? That's not happening. Like, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> There's some real stuff going on here. Man, you deal with people that are going through an educational system that's not teaching them the real history too. <coughs> so you're being, you're giving them an education. The school, but the schools are going to be corrupt because it's part of the system. Like well, you're yeah. saying, like they have no yeah. choice. The, the the system is running on a, <laughs> a particular fiction. Yeah. And, they're, they're, and, and that's, you know, they're going to give that to every aspect that holds this thing together. So the educational system definitely had to take a dive. It had to. Because you're battling for the minds of kids. You have to create, you have to create the kind of worker that they want. Like, you, you have to. or Because people left to their own devices. Like, they wouldn't be, like, they're, they're not like, man, you know, I'm going to work at this this place down the street, you know. That's exactly what, that's exactly what the school system sets. You're right. And that's what they set their kids up for. They they need a particular type of worker. Um, I I remember hearing somewhere, something about, like, the education system that we have came out of pressure. Like, you know, the old Germany because um, they had a, the Prussian Empire, and the Prussian Empire had a problem that they were going to war, but they were they're edu- like they couldn't get enough people to go to war, because they, they these people were educated. They were like, no, I'm not going to die. Like 
So they switched up their educational system in order to create they dumbed children them down. who would be more prone to go off and fight in war. And then we yeah. adopted that. And that's probably why we have a place like King of Prussia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you create... And then you also create a... Uh, a scenario where people go and <coughs> join the military because of financial reasons too. Oh yeah. So you, you're doing a two twofold financial reasons and then their education system. So, I you know I never I'll never fault the bravery of anybody who goes to fight. I'll never be like oh, sure. I'll never yeah, do that. Absolutely. But you might want to be informed as to right. why you're going to die. Right. right. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like if you tell me something that doesn't sound like I'm like wait a second. So you want, because you, you want some oil? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> it doesn't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Could you be, but like being over there, being wherever you are, and you're in the middle of like Afghanistan, and you're fighting <laughs> for, and then you, it dawns on you what's really going yeah. on. And you're yeah. like, I'm screwed. I'm here. There's nothing I can do. And you're right. like, shoot, you know, you're blowing up kids and and wives yeah. and, and fathers and stuff. Like, I can't even like, this the fact that you're har- harming another person. But then on top of it, to realize, come to the the realization what it's about, that has yeah. to be like if if they ever come to the realization. Well, if they, but if you do, yeah, if yeah, you know, on, like, and that's what um, um, there's a book. I think we may have talked about a little bit about maybe a year or two ago, um, Howard Zinn, the People's History of of uh, United States, and he talks about that. In fact, his entire book is really anything he's ever written or any time you hear him speak. You know, he's passed away now, but. He's always very much like, these are the things I'm going to lay out. Think about this, think about this, think about that. He doesn't come from like, oh, hey, you should do this, you should do that. She said that's a really good book. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he just lays it out. And he basically shows you every war that we've ever been in America has never been what the American public, it's never been what the American public thinks. It's always been for all the reasons. And he lays it out there and is like, do the research yourself because you can find the answers and, and put these pieces together. And, and he lays it out there. And it's really like, yeah, we do have people going and and dying and killing other people for a cause of, quote, freedom. It's always been about freedom. We're fighting democracy. for freedom. That's never been what it's We're about. We're trying to deploy some democracy. People <laughs> say freedom as if, like, you know what I mean? Like freedom is a, like they, nobody can give you it. You know what I mean, like it's not even a, it's not even a thing here. Like there's no part. Of, how can you be free if you're bound by contracts since your birth? Right. How can you ever be free? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're always living under circumstances that are outside of your knowledge. Like there's mm-hmm. things going on. You know what I mean? Like yeah, with your life. That you don't even know. Dimensions of your life you have no concept of. So, in, in <laughs> the one thing I was thinking about the other day was, it's like, I was thinking about pets. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, pets are kind of like the proof of, like, that. that's what we think, like, freedom is. Like, you know, you're mm. like, you're in this house, and you could be looking outside. You, you see the dog sometimes looking out looking out the window, like, man, I just want to <laughs> go chase that rabbit, man. Like, yeah. just come on, like... <laughs> It, it, but he doesn't have the freedom to do it because he's living in a reality of people who don't know what freedom is. Freedom's yeah. been robbed. Of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't have it anymore. You don't even. 
You've signed too much away. Have we ever had it? I think the only time people were ever free on this land is the natives that we were talking about earlier. They I mean, had a sense of freedom. And they had a sense of freedom. we took but it away from yeah, them. Yeah, you know, but the, that's the thing. The thing that all bothers me the most about it is that, like, it didn't just happen in one place. It was a world tour. Yeah. They went on a world tour of death and destruction of people who had been here for thousands of years. Yeah. Nobody thinks about the fact that, all right, if you kill all these people off and you disregard their knowledge, would you think this is going to be around in a thousand years? Like, I, I don't see anything to suggest that what's going on right now could still be going on in a thousand years. And some of these people have been living on these lands they don't even know how long. Yeah. Because they figured out how to do it. They, you know, they... I'm not saying it was perfect, you know, utopia. Right. right. Um, but but they figured out how. Yeah. We don't even know if this is, there's nothing sustainable about any of this. There isn't. We, you know, we, look at what we build with. We built with cement and plastics and wood and stuff. With stone. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. permanence. That's the last thing right now can build a pyramid. That's why they keep discovering them every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, what is, you know, I was thinking earlier, I was actually just thinking really earlier about this. I was like, what it points to really is that there was some sort of world civilization before the people. Hmm. There's no way that they could do it. You don't know what could happen. A cataclysm could have happened. Could have wiped everything off. You know yeah. what I mean? Then people have to rebuild. And now you're getting deep. Well, I was listening to that. I was listening to that fireside chat. Yeah. And you know, I was listening to the one about the Bostonian pyramids. Oh, yeah, the Boston pyramids. Yeah, yeah, the Boston pyramids. That was interesting. Like, they discovered those pyramids. And then that same guy was talking about that he thinks he discovered a pyramid in Texas. Or what, maybe that was a... Yeah, it's like he said he thinks he discovered one in Texas. And then, uh, like, uh, what else? Something else in Texas he discovered. And then he said they're all, you know, built in similar ways of doing it. And how does how does uh, something get built in South America and in the same same kind of ideas and building ways of building are done in you know Egypt, you know that it just doesn't make sense. I think yeah. it's I think it's part of the narrative of this civilization that this is the first civilization to do something like this on this scale. Like it needs that. It needs it need that's part of the story. It almost kind of looks like some sort of devolved like devolving type of a situation because it's like we're poisoning ourselves we live in toxic <laughs> we live in a toxic environment oh. we you know we, we we're dist- war is prevalent all the time yeah it's con it's continuous it's it's non-ending what was that america was in uh in war like 222 years out of 230 years of 38 years of existence that's crazy yeah and we wouldn't think that because like, we're not yeah because we're here we're just right. like oh yeah. there ain't nobody dropping bombs on us meanwhile you know <laughs> we don't realize how lucky we are like yeah. i've I got people all upset on on facebook one day because the first day our kids went to school uh in in yemen they dropped a bomb saudi arabia dropped a bomb blew up a school bus I, I pulled. Up, I put posted a picture. I said, "Imagine putting your kids on the school bus today for the last time." I said, "By the way, your president just sold that same the same country that just did that. He just sold them three hundred fifty million dollars worth of uh, arms." 
and that's what they're doing. Mm. I said, "Have a nice day," you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would, but nobody wants what, to hear it. What's the response to that? Yeah. What is the, well, what is the, what, what Most you, people don't respond. They just yeah. yeah. Most, do. And then he's there, and then one guy responded, and he's like, "Well, how do you?" I read the article, and and the bomb was from like 15 years ago. I'm like, dude. So then I posted an article from like six months before that of Trump saying worth a million dollars worth of arms to Saudi Arabia. I mean, they give them their yeah. intelligence. So it's like, you know, military intelligence, all that stuff. And like, imagine if you just like one, I mean, these people, some people in the Middle East, they go to bed. They don't even know if they're waking up the next day. Yeah. I can't even imagine. You send your, you can't even send your kid like, go now, hey, go play across the street. You know, our kids go play across the street at the playground. Can't do that. You don't know what's going to happen. No. But on a yeah. on a deeper level though, we don't ever go to sleep knowing that we we going to wake up the next day anyway. Well, it's true. You know what I mean? Like not to We say, got better odds though. Say, we have better odds. A lot but better the odds. same kind of immediacy that you feel like those people have to If you live in a war zone, you have to kind of approach life with an immediacy. True. You know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to get certain things done because you might get blown up next week. Like, you you know, in that same way, I think people would do well to understand that, look, none of this is promised. Ever. You know what I mean? Like, if all of those things that you want to do that are, like, in your head, it's going to be a day when you can't do them anymore. You better start getting to do them. You, just, you, <laughs> you might better, as well. You mean... You better start going. You know, if if... We can't do much about the situation that we find ourselves in. You know what I mean? They're going to keep poisoning us. They're going to keep being corrupt. They're going to keep waging war. The only thing that we can do in our lives realistically is try to eventualize ourselves. To try to, you know, become the things that we want to be. Because without it, I mean, (laughs) without any kind of goals, life is rough. Yeah. You know, like eh. stop looking at people in uh in office as solutions. Start looking at ourselves as like trying to make a small dent in the in the in the problems. I mean we <coughs> all we can do is affect things in a in a positive nature, you know, if, because it, like I said earlier, we, we don't know we don't even know who that's that's part of the anger that, that you feel in the people is that we don't even know who to be mad at. Like, we don't even yeah. know who's causing this. We're just like, lost childs. And, you right. know, we start throwing names out there. And yeah. maybe they're parts. But the, the, the real part is he's yeah. so far removed from the public eye. You have no idea he exists. Like, I mean. And yeah, we hit on this a little bit earlier. And, and you and I, before we got here. But um, making an impact in in our own sphere of influence. You know, what are, what are you doing? Because we can all sit back and... We can point that finger and we can complain. But at the end of the day, all right, I need to get up and make a difference in my world. How can I affect my world? You know, start at grassroots and then hopefully other people are doing the same. Other people are doing the same. Other people are doing the same. Because the only way that we can make a difference is not going to be <coughs> large scale. Like you said, we're not going to write a letter to somebody and be like, look, you guys need to stop doing X, Y, Z. And you're not going to get it's it. It's not going to happen. Somebody has to set an example. You- and Somebody the, has to start somewhere. For the gun people who th- who think that they just gonna, one day it's going it's just going to be too much, and you're going to go out in the street and you with your AKs and M16s and stuff. 
No, it's not. No, Listen, it's not. It's not going. It's an big, impossibility. The biggest joke I heard was when the Trump and the presidential thing was going on before he was voted in. They're like, if we don't have Trump, I'm I'm taking my gun. And I, <laughs> you ain't not leaving your house with your central AC <laughs> yeah, and your right? your your stock fridge <laughs> and like all this stuff because the guy you wanted didn't get in. You're not doing that. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's a small part of the population, like very, very very small yeah. part uh, that have <laughs> like militia groups that maybe, but like the average yeah. Joe, like come on now, guys. Like right. let's be serious now. <laughs> you you're just being this nonsensical. They, you know, but. I think it's sad. I, you know, I used to... There was a time where I got caught up in the polarization and everything. And for all of the Trump supporters, like, I have all kinds of, like, disdain for him and stuff. But, you know, we used to talk about... There was a you know, the guy talking about, oh, I'm going to go if Trump doesn't get hit, I'm getting my gun. Now, I, I, I just pity... Like, that, that's saddening. That's sad that that man's life got to that point where he felt like he needed to state that publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that he was like, you know what? I, I'm so this is so messed up that if my guy doesn't get in, then I I'm going out in the streets with guns. That's a crazy place to be at. Like, and, and to think that that wasn't the only, there was a whole bunch of people feeling like that. I get, I get the sentiment. You know, you want somebody from the outside to try to get into the politics, and maybe he won't be swayed by the corruption of politics but that's a pipe dream that's yeah. even, you know, like that's not that's not how it works you know and definitely not you know if you want somebody for that it donald trump is not your number one uh, choice for somebody who, to not be corrupted by money or influence and power like I mean, he had enough money that he wouldn't be corrupted he already had money going in so he don't need any more listen it, the corruption is not going Anywhere. Where's the last? When's the last rich person you heard say, "I have enough. No, I don't need any more. That, I'm good. We can yeah. just stop at like 200 million. I'm cool." That's the. That, that's <laughs> yes. why, and that's really why it can't work because people believe the fiction that what's in your bank account actually has something to do with how much you're worth. Right. Like yeah. that's the that's the grant. Like that's the biggest. Like you know, uh, that screws with people's minds maybe more than anything. Because, you know, you want to be able to look at that guy and be like, look at him. He's a peasant. <laughs> you know, like, well, no, like, why? Because he doesn't have as much money in his bank account? You can't just see his worthiness as a human being? Oh, that's so true. So true. I mean, I continually tell, like, my kids and the basketball team, never, ever think that you can't learn something from everyone that you come in contact with if you're walking down the street and you see a homeless guy don't look at him like oh man he's just you know homeless what do you do with himself he has some piece of knowledge in life that can help you in your life you can get something from anyone and then on the opposite scale don't ever look at somebody like oh there's too good to talk to hmm. oh like that's the president of such and such company i gotta i don't know how i'm gonna talk to him he's a person he's a person at the end of the day he may think he's better than everybody, but he's listen. You got some stuff that he needs too. Yeah. So don't don't go about life like um, those people are like that, and this people are like that. Because then we're judging people. And yeah. the funny thing is, you know, I have a lot of Christian friends that do that very thing. Like the the judging is so so I, intense on people. I'm like, I don't get 
how you doing? It's everything that Jesus didn't teach. So I'm not sure where you're coming off of that. I don't think that, <laughs> you know, most Christians that I come across, and I was just talking to my parents about this the other day. They have, they have this real sort of biblical like type of illiteracy where like they don't really like. All right, you go to church, you you know you say you believe in Jesus and you know, but you don't really know what the book is about, and you don't know the history of the church. Like those those were things. Yeah. Like back in the day, and I've told Rob this, you know, because this is kind of how me and Rob started talking. You know, we used to play at a church down the street, the church in the Nazarene. And, uh, you know, one time, uh, the the guy who ran it, I had I, I, I talked to him about some different things. Because I had been a Christian when I was younger. And, I'd, uh, you know, I'd say I probably stopped identifying as that when I was around 18, 19, somewhere in that area. But I would ask him certain questions, you know, and... It was never to, like, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to come across as a dick, you know? That wasn't what I was trying to do. I was trying to have dialogue about, okay, I see your perspective. I've been in your perspective. I've seen the world through a similar lens. But there's other things that I've learned since then that made me come away from that. And then, you know, asking him... Eventually, what there was like a couple people who stayed yeah, after them one it's like time. Yeah, like three or four of and us. We talked, you know. We, you know, and um, you but know, they were willing to have the conversation. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it never got it heated. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah. It was a great example of what dialogue Absolutely. should be. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we we don't have to disrespect each other. We we have diff- opinions. Some of our opinions are similar, and some of them differ. And I think we found, like, when we were talking that we did agree on some things, yeah. and there was a, some some things we didn't agree on. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'll never have, I have no Ill, Ill will towards Christians at, at all, but I do think that they don't, most of them don't understand that they are part of something that is, from certain angles, is part of why we think the world is so crazy because mm. I, I i can't i can't help but believe that a lot of war it has religious overtones mm. you know even when you look at situation like um with like israel right now you know a lot of israel you know they're getting a lot of funding from from america know, from, from from down south and evangelicals and things because pretty much the the evangelicals they want Jesus to come back. So they're saying, all right, well, Israel needs to be a Jewish state in order for a prophecy to be fulfilled so that Jesus can come back. So that's yeah. a, that's how that our real life yeah. affecting everyone, you know. Yeah. For me, there's a difference between what is called a Christian in America and, and a true follower of Jesus, you know, teaching. And, and, and I say that because... I mean, let's look at let's look at the Roman Empire, and when when Christ walked on Earth first time, all of the people that had the Bible in front of them, all of the the teachers of the day, missed him, and said he wasn't it, and they killed him. They wound up killing him, and I'm thinking, you know, our church in America, 
is very much at a similar place as that time frame. If Jesus came today, I think a lot of Christians, quote-unquote Christians, in America would totally miss him. Would totally miss him because they're totally not following anything that he taught. They've, they're following this nationalism, more like a, of a nationalism. This is a Christian nation, which is not true. It's not never designed to be a Christian nation. Never was a Christian nation. We had, do we have godly principles? Of course. But what country some. doesn't? <laughs> yeah, some. some. But what some. country doesn't have some type of uh, godly principles, you know? Um, but if you were truly, truly a believer and you're following what Jesus spoke... And you go on your Facebook page and you say, I'm pro-life. But then you're supporting war that's going over to probably kill other Christians. Because there's probably some believers over there that you're killing. That's <coughs> your real brother. That's your real brother. That should be your brother. That's your nation of what you should be under, right? Or, or it's an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is a different place. It's not a national thing. It doesn't align with any country. It's its own thing. If you truly believe that... You're going and killing somebody in your own kingdom, another believer, and you're supporting that. But how can you support war at all? At all? Because you're killing anybody in general. So you're not pro-life. You're anti-abortion, which is different. And you should realize that that's different. And you can come under and say, I'm anti-abortion. And you can believe that, and that's fine. But don't say you're pro-life when you really aren't. If you're not going to protect the fetus after the baby is born... If you're not going to worry that's, that's happening and how that child is going to be yeah. affected, if you're not worried about those things, and then you're going to support laws that are going to make life harder for those pe- people in that position, and then take programs away, like Planned Parenthood, you might not like Planned Parenthood. Okay. But now you're going to take uh, programs away that are going to give free um, um, free contraception. You know, well, to the I people think when it comes afford. to Planned Parenthood, people have it. Uh, all it is is just a place to get abortion. I don't think people realize that there's other things going on there, right. you know, right. and that's what you're here to me. When yeah. I hear people, t- you know, whatever you want to say, talk about it. I hear them just talking about it as a place to get abortions and the reality of there's a lot of other things going on there. Exactly. So that's yeah. hard for people to, to, to grasp, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think with, um, like, you, but you know, kind of what you were saying about what, like the Jesus aspect of it, that Jesus in many ways has been co-opted as a militaristic force like mm. like and what i mean by that is, is like <clears throat> first the image of jesus is so important to the concept uh, you know when they talk about a dark-skinned man with hair lamb's wool and then you see this Jesus that they got in the church. Right. <laughs> it's like a hippie looking dude. Like, you know, that tells me something. What that tells me, it's, it's like, all right, if they, they, you know, so there was a crime that was committed and they, they brought a sketch artist and you started naming stuff off. You're like, yeah, he was like dark and, you know, he had, he had some like curly hair and stuff like that. And then they drew Jesus like you usually see him. You'd be like, wait, 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 wait. So, so what is the purpose of that? I've often thought they took the image of Jesus and used it to subjugate people. You know, like that, you know, they, they take it places and they'd be like, Jesus is a white man and we are white. So by connection, 
it, the psycho the, the psychology of it the psychology yeah. of how do you get you know what is white supremacy because right. at the end of the day people live in yeah you know what i mean like it's yeah. not real but it's real there yeah. right <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's real within that like matrix like it's that's really what it is you know it's like this place where it's but we also see its effects which leads us to believe that it's real you know, yeah. and, and then that works on our minds, and then it makes sense when we go to the movies, and it's basically mostly about white people, or it makes yeah. sense that you know, I, like me and my wife are talking about. You know, uh, my wife is white, and you know, my kids are mixed, and you start talking about, well, why are there so many like white figures? I had mostly white figures when I was a kid. Sure, you know what I mean, like, superheroes, superheroes, yeah. you know what I mean. So then it's like, well, what, what, what is, how does this work itself in? And that's why I say the image of Jesus is something that's been kind of used as something to hold over people. Because it's like, it's clearly just not like that in the, like, like in the Bible. Like, you, you have uh, ulterior motives for disregarding what it would say he looked like. Yeah. Jesus is one, you know, that's what. Jesus is one of them things where <laughs> I don't see. I I told Rob I don't know if Jesus actually existed, but I treat Jesus like I treat Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like I learned a lot of cool stuff from Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I learned a lot of cool stuff from Jesus. I learned a lot of cool stuff from Buddha and Krishna and all kinds of people. You know, I learned I learned valuable things. Whether or not they're real is kind of besides the point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I I'm not gonna argue with somebody like. Luke Skywalker was real somewhere. That was like a documentary. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with somebody, but you know, I, I'll think back to things I learned. You know, things like you know, Yoda would say like you know, use the forces because those things had real effects on how I like live. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like just like when you know, with Jesus and the examples that you know, when I was going to church, I learned a lot of things, uh, you know, from Jesus that I, you know are still things that I hold dear, but. I don't, I think once you start to learn the history of it, you start to say, oh, man, like, people have been telling stories like this for a long time. Yeah. You know, like, one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is, you know, Buddhism's effect on Christianity. Like, Buddhism is, has such an effect on, you know, what people, you know, when they talk about Jesus Christ, you know. That always used to mess with me when I was a kid. It's like Christ, Lord, that's his last name. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, nah, Christ is a title. You know, it it it's it's to, it, it's saying this is like a, an enlightened person. This is a person who's gone past the seeing things as separate and sees the thing inside of all things that unites. Yeah, and the Buddhists were saying that a long time before there was a thing called Christianity. And that's the thing, you know, all of these, you know, nothing's happening in a vacuum. All of these things are kind of, you know, intermingling and, you know, right. they're, they're becoming, uh, you know, it's just like what Zoroastrianism, you know, like that's one of those things that people don't even know that that was a thing. Like, but most people in like Iraq, that's what the, that's what they practice for a really long time before like Islam and stuff like, but that had a complete like connection there's a complete connection between that the 
and then the thought that became Christianity. Yeah. Like these things are intermingling. So I just try to, you know, I I just look at it from the standpoint of there's all there's this I don't I, there's this what I call spiritual aspect to life and people all over the world have experienced it and tried to figure out what it was. And they've all been trying to like like something, you know, and then sometimes they'll start putting dogmas around it. And then <laughs> They'll start making up creation stories for it and things like that. They may not really know, but like, there's an undercurrent to all of this, all of the spiritual systems. They're just trying to say that there's something bigger going on here, and we're gonna try to, <laughs> we're gonna try our best at it. You know, going back to the the white supremacy and you know the imagery imagery of Jesus definitely is. And when we start talking about white supremacy, so many white people that I talk to about white <laughs> supremacy, they're automatically thinking like overt Aryan nation type stuff, <laughs> right? you know, and they go to an extreme and they can't, they can't grasp it at, at this level of, of like, no, everything in our nation is built on white supremacy. It is. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and so consider, consider our census in America. Like the only way that you could mark white through the history of our census is if you were 100% white, like that's it. Like you had to be 100% white. If you were biracial, black and white, you're marking black, right? Or if you're whatever you're mixed with, you're going to have to yeah. mark that. Obama is the first black president. Why is he not the? Why is he just not another white president? Because he's biracial, right? But we don't. It would be crazy to say, if to think of it the opposite way. The only way that we can mark on our census that you are black. Is if you can prove that your gods are all black and everybody's black. That's the only way you can mark black. If one of them is white, you have to mark white because you have white blood in you. It's the one drop rule from yeah, you know Plessy Ferguson back in the day. So that's a crazy concept to us. Like, well, that's the only way you can mark black is if you're that. If you're, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense the way we do it now. But we don't think about it because it's a norm because we've normalized white supremacy. White is the standard. <coughs> In America, it always has been. So, we just like it's just normal. That's the way it is. That's just, that's definitely true. Was, one thing I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of that fireside chat. I know you he, would. I, I knew that's I why like, I told you. I told you. I, I was like, listen, you're gonna go I drive crazy an, with this. I thing. drive like, an hour to work, and it's oh, perfect because yeah, it's, it's like sixty some minutes about. So I listen one on the way to work. The, I might get the pla- like the the, the plus the plus because uh, I, I kind of thinking hear about these second, it. Yeah. These second hours, you know. But like he talks like the ones I've been listening to. They talk talk a lot about like you know when we had when we took took out the Nazis. It was more about taking the scientists right and put and we and most of the scientists that ran nasa are from not mm. were nazis in germany so you know like that kind of coincides with this whole thing where you now you got nazis running our you know nasa and warner von braun he was like the lead guy he was a nazi he was on like the, he was on like a Disney special. He was a Nazi. We yeah, took he, he brought him over. Oh, yeah. Like I'm like, brought, what, what, you know, like that's madness to me. We have their intelligence people. You know what I'm saying? We have their intelligence yeah. people and their scientists. So that means that from a particular standpoint, and we were okay with it. Th- that this is the continuation of it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like if 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 this is the minds of these people, 
know what I mean? And that's a, the the Nazi has become sort of like a boogeyman in the world, though, because you're just like that. You they were horrible and the things they do, but you cannot talk about that living in America. Like you can't, you can't, you can't talk about their dirt and then be like, "Well, we're clean over here." No, no, you right. took these people out. You not only did you, you did. Like that's that's a real gangster move to not even kill them all and then to just like take the ones you want. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. like, uh, we're not going to put you to death. You're going to come over here and you're going to you know spearhead our intelligence community. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. We're you know? okay with it. But that's the, but I mean that's the thing with with them. <laughs> you know, Nazis, from what I understand, that you know their their problem with. Jewish people was that on some level they believed that the Jewish people weren't white people. You mean when people mm-hmm. think about Jewish people, they do think of you do kind of think of a white person, and they had this you know, they were like, These people aren't really white, they you know, they understood their lineages and things like that. But that's the, the you know, that's the this is the insanity of the entire thing. Like, when he was talking about like the one drop rule and things like that. That means, all right, like, you have to disregard genetics, in, you know, in order to, because at the end of the day, everybody comes, if everybody comes from Africa, then that means that, yes, you had black people in your history. So the entire concept of you being ever full white is a fantasy to begin with. Right. It's not even real. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just something like, you, you know, you... It's it's a way to divide a person and to put certain people in positions of power, and I mean, yeah, white supremacy is one of those things that, like you said, people really do think that it's just these Aryan nation types that are practicing it, as opposed to an everyday reality that we actually just live in. Right. Yeah, and even the word racist, you know, racist. That's a dirty word. No, I'm not racist. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I I had a post a couple of years ago. You might have seen it where I I said um, I can be I can be. My wife is black, mm-hmm. so I said I can be married to a black woman and be racist, and my best friend can be black and I can be racist. And people are like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How can no, I, no, it's not. I said, well, all right, can I not be married to a woman and be sexist? Right? Could I not have? Can I not be married to a woman and love having sex with women? Mm-hmm. Right? I can love women, but still feel like I'm superior to women. Absolutely. So how can I? How can you say that I could be married to my best friend can be black and I could still have a feeling of like, well, you know, I'm still but white. Still. I'm better. Yeah. And that's the racism that we're talking about. That's the racist, but people don't understand it at that level because no. they're thinking again, the guy with the hat. Or an Aryan nation, yeah. you know, that's what they think of. And like me, I t- like I tried to tell somebody uh, not long ago. I said most of the people who I grew up, who I considered my friends, had racial hangups. Right. Absolutely did. I would hear it at certain times. It, would, it couldn't. They couldn't hide it all the time. You know I'm saying sure. it would pop out at little times, and I'd be like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's how you feel. Okay, all right, I understand." But it's like. People people think that because you associate at times with black people or people of a different race, that somehow, well, I don't think that I don't think I'm better than them. 
Well, what would you do if um, your daughter brought home mm-hmm. one? How about that? What would, how how would you feel? How would you? <laughs> you know, like that's that's the perfect example of it because it's like it's okay if you talk to them and they're over here, but if they come into your world and you know. Then, then there's disruption because yeah. that's that's too close for comfort. They don't want to go be around black people around black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, I used to love sometimes. I'd take like some of my friends like from up here. Like, I take them to like the hood and stuff, and they, you know, they'd be all shook, and they wouldn't understand. Like, I know you feel shook right now, but right now I actually feel relief because all of that. <laughs> posturing that I have to do around white people I don't do that here I don't have any reason to and it's it's, it's almost kind of like uh, it was almost kind of like uh, if you was wearing heavy clothes like you know it's like oh, let me I take that off man like cause this you know it's a, it's a heavy thing yeah uh, well, you've been working on a like Alaskan fishing boat for the last six months and like now I'm finally home <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, man, and I don't even live there. You know what I mean? Like I'm in a community sometimes with people. You know, I I've always, you know, I've always loved being around black people, but I'm my reality wasn't my reality. My, you know, that you know, most of the time I was dealing with mostly white people just about all the time when I was growing up, and that that has a real effect on the psychology of a person like i'm yeah. as i get older i'm really starting to get, get it because it's like all these people these celebrities and things are people who are just moving up you know and you know went from living you know around predominantly black people and now you know you made some money and you're moving that's happening more and more and yeah. there's a certain so that means that you know there's people i don't know a lot of people who grew up like I don't know a lot of black people who grew up around predominantly white people. But that's going to be increasing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That has to be on the rise now. And I don't know if people think that there's a psychological aspect to that. They just think, oh, well, they'll just, you know, <laughs> they'll go along. Mm-hmm. No, there's certain things that happen, you know. And... um you know, now when I, you know, when I'll be at the wreck or something, you know, I see a little black kid or something. I know he's gone. And now I got to take a time and like really, you know, sure. and, and, yeah. and say, you know, are you all right? Because there was a right. time in my life where nobody was asking me that. Right. <laughs> they're just like, yeah. they're just like, oh, you'll be fine. You know? and, and, you know, I guess in the long run, it did work out. But uh, there, there's certain traumas. There's certain things that happen. You know, I remember when I was in like, ninth tenth grade and it was like this teacher and she thought i plagiarized something i might have told you about yeah this. i remember this one this I'm one like, always amazes me I'm the, she thought i plagiarized something and it's like i take pride in my writing like for me to like i would never do that because it's not me you mm. know what i'm saying like i'm not gonna take somebody else's words and try to play it off as mine but i was probably in like ninth tenth grade and she announced in the in in this in this class she's like she's like your paper was so good, I don't think you actually wrote it. I think you plagiarized it. And she's like, you said this sentence, and she said something I wrote. And she said, but we know, actually, you would have said it like, and she used all these Ebonics wow. and stuff. Like, and me, you know, I'm a kid. 
I don't really want to. I don't. I, I wasn't into making waves. I was a yeah. basketball player. You know what I mean, like I'm trying to. I'm just trying to get to get through the season and stuff. And um, you know, my my parents didn't find out about it for months after. Like somebody told them then, and because I never said anything, and my mom contacted the school, and uh, I ended up having a meeting with her, and she basically like. It was basically, she was like, oh, we're good, right? We're all right. And I was just like, all right, whatever. And it's just like, things like that paint my world. Because they let me know things like that can happen. Yeah. There's a guy at my job, and he was, he, you know, he he, he, he didn't really understand why minorities are, are, are hung up on race. I said, yeah. race paints my world. The way people deal with me, some in many cases, has to do with how I appear. You know, um, people are thinking. You know, people sometimes they'll think that you know you have certain thoughts in your head. It'd be completely opposite stuff in your head. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I remember I was at work and I had like my earbuds in and. Some, some dude came up to me. He's like, oh, man, I wonder what you're always listening to, man. He's like, you probably, like, I was just like, I probably figure you're listening to Biggie or something like that. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm I'm listening to a lecture about quantum physics right now. Like, <laughs> like, right. like, 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 what you think, what you think is in my head is such a narrow scope. Sure. Of, like, sure. the reality of what I'm actually yeah. about is will blow your yeah. mind in most cases like yeah and that's you know wow. that's wild it's what's it's it's strange you know there's um in um my history which we haven't talked a lot about uh, history of of dealing with racism but i've um started <coughs> in high school just becoming familiar with with some of the major issues and yeah. and we actually had a group in high school that in 11th grade that one of our our teachers had started because there were some racial issues at our school. I think this was Lancaster Mennonite, and okay. and um, he called it "people of color and their friends." It was the first time I ever heard that term. People of know. color and their friends. Yeah, um, and then we called it Unity Group. I think the next year, but uh, I think it might start sophomore year actually, and then junior year a bit. But um, he uh, really opened my eyes to a lot, all of our eyes to a lot of, of different things. And then growing out of that, like I wanted to be more involved, and I started just studying on my own and learning yeah. my own thing, you know, outside of school. I wanted to, I wanted to find out more and understand like what was the depth of what slavery has really done, and yeah. and then um, try to understand the black experience, you know. So as I, as I, when I was in church, as early twenties, I met a gentleman named Conrad Moore who was a facilitator for Damascus Road, which is an anti-racism training that came out of Mennonite Central Committee. Hmm. And he was originally from Philadelphia, and his, and um, he's African-American, and his, his son was actually arrested for a crime he didn't commit, and they got it overturned while he was in prison, and while he was transferred from one, uh, he was on his steps coming back, he actually got murdered in prison while before he got released, so like about a month and a half before he would have got released, I believe it was. So, like the trauma that hit, that caused him, his son being arrested for something he didn't do, they got it overturned, and now he's he's murdered in prison. Mm. So he speaks from a place of you know. But anyway, the education that they have there and through all that, 
there's a lot of, that comes through it. Um, but one of the things, and and you're kind of touching on it, is the, what we call IRO and and IRS, and it's most white people have an internalized racial superiority complex. Mm. You know, it's just it's just how our how systemic racism has worked in America. We have that feeling of superiority, and we're built off it. It's the superiority we were talking about earlier. You know, not the hat guy, but like I'm white. I can do anything. I can be anything. Mm. I can whatever I want to do. I really I can do it. And you don't think twice about it. And on the opposite spectrum, most people of color, especially Black Americans, have an internalized, racialized oppression. And there's a narrow um, thought process of what I can be. I can be, you mm-hmm. know, I can be in sports. I can be in entertainment. I can do, you know, there's a few things. I'm still caught in that, even though I know it's not true. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I, I'm still a rapper. I still play, I, I play, uh, play semi-pro ball for <laughs> about a team uh, down in Norristown. So I'm still caught up in that, even though I know it's not true. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, again, most white people think that. So that's what you're speaking on when there's when those guys are like, oh, you're probably listening to Biggie or something. They're speaking from that mindset of like, these are the only things that you're really yeah. probably in your world, and that's it. Yeah, and that's, yeah it's, that's it's so powerful, and it's so embedded in our thoughts that, it, yeah, unless you really take the time to try to unpack it and, and think about it, you just won't see it. I, I, think I, I don't think I had a choice because I felt like there was a time in my life where I really started listening to a lot of people in, like, the African consciousness community and stuff. And they really just kind of started, like, making me, like, see uh, not, you know, the, there's there's learning about slavery, okay, that, as an education. And then there's learning about the deeper concepts of mm. blackness, like what, like, of you know, some of those people, in hindsight, when I look back on it, I think that they themselves were somewhat some. They were like some. Some of them were like black supremacists. You know what I mean? Like this perfect example is right now. Uh, they talk about they uh, got rid of um, Alex Jones and Louis Farrakhan's uh, Facebook platform. Mm. Now, Louis Farrakhan is a person who he's a person who I've personally. Have learned a great deal of things from. But they say, well, he's anti-Semite. He says some messed up stuff. And mm-hmm. I, that's true. You know? But what? why do people feel like they... you? None of our teachers are perfect people. Right. Our teachers are fallible people who are making mistakes and suffering from their own forms of ignorance just like we are. Am I going to disregard all of the positive right. things that I've heard from him that right. have empowered not just me, but an entire nation of people? Yeah. And Am I going to write him off and say, your ignorance makes you disqualified uh, to be my teacher? Because you can't even treat people like that in life. Right. You know what I mean? Like uh, when I was coaching, you know... <laughs> I can, what if a kid would have came up to me like, "Hey, man, you didn't make it to the league. I don't want. I want. Right. I, 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 I want. What do I got to listen to you for? You didn't play college ball, you know." Sure. We all have our ignorances. I don't think that you know. <clears throat> I don't think people should be. Uh, if you, if you, if you, even if you are saying hateful things, I think in this place, 
it's important that you should you should still be able to say it. Yeah. I don't have to agree with it, but that's the beauty of this world. I don't mm. have to listen to it. Yeah. There's a trillion other things for me to tune into than to worry about if this guy's over here saying something something that I'm not even paying attention to. There's you a know? there's a play and a pause button. Yeah. You can use it. If they exist. Yeah, I mean, I you, mean, you know, you might not like what somebody has to say, but it's a really slippery slope. Absolutely. To to to, to something really like something like this totalitarian type of a situation Absolutely. like that you mean as soon as you start telling people hey you're not allowed to say this on this platform i think it's, it's the modern day book burning it sort of is like that like it you know because they there's certain people all right louis farrakhan has said some of the most be- i've heard him say beautiful most things definitely. Yeah. beautiful things i've also heard some ugly things come out of yeah. his mouth but that doesn't mean that I, I, you know, they're at this point, they're going to start asking people, right, well, you disavow. Do you disavow Louis Farrakhan? Most black people in this, who've ever been affected by Louis Farrakhan, they're never going to disavow Louis Farrakhan. But yeah. then, like, even me, a black guy, a black dude who grew up in Effort of Pennsylvania, would not disavow Louis Farrakhan. So you really think you're going to get, like, people who, like, actually live in black communities to be like, oh, we don't have anything to do with him anymore. No, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's not gonna happen. With people like Alex Jones, I've learned a great deal of things from Alex Jones. He opened my eyes to certain things at a young at a younger age. I would never <coughs> be like, oh, I didn't learn anything from him, and I don't think anyone should listen to him. I think a lot of people. He's taught a lot of people a lot of things, but they also move on. I think, like, so a lot of people start, like, when it comes to conspiracy and stuff, like, kind of start there, because he's, the, he's, like, the figurehead to yeah, me. Yeah, he, yeah, he, was, I mean? he was, like, he was sort of, sort of the figurehead, and, like, because yeah. like, I, I was, like, uh, maybe, like, 15, 16, the first time I heard, uh, oh, watched wow. him. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I, you know, I, I was watching him, and I was, like, I wonder if any of this is true, and then, like, you start to research stuff. That's the number one thing. Like, you can call, they can call a person a conspiracy theorist, but. What the thing that they call a conspiracy theorist is usually a really well researched person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how like that's that's almost kind but of. But they scary. want to control that though. It's that's... kind of a, it's kind of scary that they put a a derogatory term on a person who was well researched. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And well, like, the FBI is the one that came up with that when it when uh, didn't they do that when JFK got murdered? That's what it was. That's when they started. I think that's when they they did that. They came up with that term. I always say, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but all I, that means is is I theorize about the ways in which people conspire to do real things in the world. That's the, yeah. I, There's no transparency, so I have to theorize. I have no other choice. Or else, either that or the alternative is to just bury your head in the sand and just act like none of it's happening. Yeah. There's, there's two options. Yeah, I, I, I see... There's a lot of people that are getting kicked off of Facebook. There's, uh, we Are Change is one I listen to, and but I listen to them on YouTube. But they got they just got kicked off of Facebook What'd because they do? I don't even, they don't even know that that's the thing. They, <laughs> they get kicked know. off. They don't tell them. They just they went to the like update their page. It's just gone. Uh, see, I, 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 I don't gone. have Facebook. I haven't. Facebook rubbed me wrong a long time ago, and I ain't have a Facebook page in a while. 
And then once that all that data, or they yeah. talk about they collecting people's data. I was like, I kind of felt like that. Like I was like, this is like, this is re- like you know how it was with social media. Once it started, you were like, this is kind of strange because it's like you're putting your business all out into the world. Well, yeah, like yeah, like I think they're collecting your data in every which way to sunday yeah. so i don't like when it comes to that stuff i don't even like i mean they don't know. need social media they can just have your phone everything they need yeah. to know they they're know. listening to this conversation right now you know even yeah. though we didn't have the microphones we were just talking amongst yeah. ourselves they were listening so i told mike i said man i said if we ever if they ever listen to our morning basketball morning conversations <laughs> they'd haul our asses to jail in a second <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so do you have any children yeah, yeah, definitely have five, five, five biological and and um, three uh, from marriage. So we have eight total. So you, so you know what it is, you know, to have when you know you you know what it is to have black kids. Yeah, so and, I have um, my oldest three. His mother is Puerto Rican. My youngest two biological is black, and then my wife's children are are all black. Um, different shades though so the youngest is actually the, the darkest of all eight of our children he's nine does um, he feel the effect to that do, do do people say stuff to him do they you know, uh, comment on his darkness actually some of the other some of her biological children have some um, but we've definitely gotten them away from doing that yeah. uh, so Colorism not so much but we get some weird stuff I've gotten some weird stuff when we're out. I mean, and <laughs> what's definitely. The, what's the I, worst? What's the worst thing you heard? I don't know about the worst. Uh, probably. I mean, I've been I've been through this for so long. My oldest child is twenty four, so yeah. I've been dealing with stuff for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but one was, it was just me and him, and the lady says, "She's like, oh, he's so cute. Where's he from?" <laughs> and I'm like, "He's from his mother." Yeah, and she's like. I know, I know, but I mean, like, where, where, like, where is he from? Like, where, exactly. you know, where did you get him from? And like, well, so my wife got pregnant, <laughs> and then she had a baby, and then he was here, and that's what I told her. And she just looked at me like really quiet and like couldn't figure anything out. It was like, like this is crazy. I'm not gonna spend my time explaining to you the situation, but the fact that you thought that I'm saving. This child <laughs> from something like adopted him from a really poor family. Is he from Nairobi? You know, like, you're those the uh, the Mennonite people that uh, brought P Diddy. Did you hear that story? Yeah, they brought yeah, P Diddy yeah. back. Yeah. Like they had that program or whatever. Yeah, the fresh air. That's it. Yeah, he's a fresh air kid. People used to think yeah. I was a fresh air kid. I was like, <laughs> no, my pa- I got I got two parents. They live here. You know, like. You know, um, yeah. but yeah, no, that's 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 real though because it it's is. like like my wife, like she's, you know, she'll she'll have my daughter is, she's she's lighter than me, but she's you know she's she's a little darker than my son, and you know, when she'd be out with her, and like sometimes people will like talk to her like she can't be her mom. Like, it, it, it's, right. yeah, like, it'll be, it's just really weird. And, you know, my daughter's, she, you know, she's about to turn four. So it's like, now I feel like I'm at the point 
where I have to start explaining certain things about the racial dynamic of this place. Like, like there's, you know, there's going to be people who don't want to associate with you. There's going to be... But at the same time, it's like, I feel like my parents gave me that talk. But being a generation different than them, I feel like I have to almost pump her full of an empowerment. Not of empowerment to be like, you are over someone. But the world has a way of, like you said, trying to paint uh, who who you have to be. You know, mm. not just from the black standpoint, but from a, from the standpoint of a woman. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. realistically, you know, the, black people voted before women did. That's mm. that's the reality of it. Yeah. You know, like women, uh, you know, they're still going through crazy stuff. And that's why, you know, the black woman in reality is like the most, <laughs> is like the most like ain't. Aimed at like t- like uh, like more derogatory things. I feel like have happened to the black woman here, maybe more so than any other woman. Sure, ever, you definitely. know what I mean. Like that, Most and definitely. that's you know that's and that's a reality. I mean, because you know I I married a white woman, and you know I got black family friends, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, and. They look at me sometimes. I know some of them must be looking at me like, you couldn't get a sister like, well, you know. <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, I married my wife because, you know, my wife is you know, my best friend, you know. that's what. But at the same time, I know where they're coming from. Sure. I'm not, I, I'm not going, like, I can't be mad at that because it, there's a whole part of me that feels like, yes, this woman needs to be protected here. Because like, yeah. it's, it's kind of like it's it's been wild. I mean, like, um, but uh, you know, I, I like I said, I don't have any. I don't like the word colorblind. I don't like. Uh, no. I don't like. I don't like that term. I would never say that about myself. But I also understand that on some level, everybody is the same thing. Like I understand the unity of men. And on some days, the unity of all things. So it's like, sure, it's like, you know, I, I, I can't, I can, I can never get to this point where it's just like, oh, well, I would never uh, date somebody. Uh, I wouldn't date outside of a, a race or something like that. Like that, that, that's such a foreign concept to me. But I've seen yeah. a lot of people who do. I know a lot of white kids I grew up with who would never date anybody outside of the race. Never. Most weird as it sounds, I would never date a white woman. <laughs> so, and you know what? But that comes from a different place, you know. And that's yeah. and yeah, but like, like my wife, me, we were just having this talk the other day, and she said she just never really been really attracted to to white men. And I was like, "Come on, you!" I was like, "Come on, you know you like Beckham." <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, "You know you like Brad Pitt and them." And, and she's like, I just, you know, it just doesn't do anything for me. And and I was like, that has to be, like, I'm, I, I don't think that that comes from any kind of a hatred. Right. But I think that it comes from a, a matter of preference, you know. Yeah. And, and I think people should be free to have that preference, too, yeah. you know. And it's <coughs> not, I shouldn't say never because, I mean, that's, 
it's I think what pushed it for me in the beginning was starting to because I did when I was in like junior high whatever that yeah. that counts yeah. but <laughs> if that counts yeah but so in I high school when I started that. to become more aware of of how deep this thing was with racism I couldn't find many white girls in high school that got that so I couldn't have those conversations so it became frustrating I'm like I can't do this because it's this very early on started to become more of my life work than anything else. So like I, it became re- it, I you, need, it must have been crazy to see to, to just be introduced to that and then to be like, man, like this is real. Yeah. Like and then, like, you know, yeah, I guess when you go you probably wouldn't try to talk to some people, they didn't want to hear it. The reason I you know, I could always my wife, her culture was you know her parents aren't from around here like they're from somewhere else you know what I mean right. like so yeah. she had a, she's always had like a good understanding of the cultural things that uh, seem you know that that plagued the black community and things like that like she had she's always been culturally aware like that without that awareness we could have never had a sure. relationship yeah so it was more her culture. More so than anything, because a lot of sometimes black women look at me like I like like I like I dated her just because she was white. <laughs> it's like right. it's like no, no. This was because we we made a connection on a deeper level that like she understood certain concepts that literally there was like nobody else who no other like white girls that I was talking to at that time like they had no concept of this stuff. Yeah, and in, and in reality of it is that. You know, as I got older and did this more, um, I you know you continue to learn. As you're unpacking racism, I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't understand. Yeah. Like, it's just it's so complex. But you know, I ran into more and more black people that didn't get it either. Oh yeah. So oh. then it was like, all right, yeah, you definitely can't paint that 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 brush. I mean, some some that don't get it and just don't say much and don't talk about it. But then you have like you know. The extreme, like oh, racism isn't even a thing anymore. I'm fine. Just pull yourself up with your bootstraps, yeah. and and those are the conversations. And I just had one recently with a guy who's probably in his fifties, who's a lawyer in Harrisburg. And I won't call out his name, but um, he's really well known in Lancaster and Harrisburg. <laughs> and I'm like, some of the stuff he was saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're saying this stuff. And I said, you know, the fact of the matter is. That because I always I always come with this when I when I encounter black people on social media or whatever that I don't know or even people that I do know I'm having this conversation with like this gentleman, it's like I know conversations that white people have around all other white people that they wouldn't some of those white people wouldn't have when black people are in the room, and so his I. his yeah. comment was, I'm a different kind of black. Saying that, like, people, white people see me as being white enough that they're comfortable with me. And I'm like, no, you're not. That's not a true statement. There's there's (laughs) things, like, I mean, I can see where he might think that. Because, I mean, there's been times where I feel like I've been around and heard things that, like, I was like, do they know I'm here? Like, but... At the same time, there is a. I've always believed there's another level. Of, like they have to somewhat be conscious of the fact that I'm there, because there's this whole other conversation that, like you said, that people that, that are had uh, amongst uh, white people who 
don't feel as though there's anybody around to judge them negatively mm-hmm. for um for for you know for for maybe some really deep seated racist mm-hmm. stuff they're about to say like i mean but usually i think probably in this world now <coughs> if you pop off with something like that <coughs> i think that there's white people who will inherently know that hey what this person just said is wrong but what i've found in my life is that that's not that doesn't mean that they're always going to say something. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. like there's there's never been I forget there was a quote from this I forget who it was who said it. But he said he said I don't want to hear nothing about good white people cuz good white people are shields for bad white people. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying was is that you know, all of the for all of the things that have ever happened like all of the crazy stuff that people have heard said to me and things like that. My coach, one of my coaches when I was in high school, when we were about to go to McCaskey's, he looked at me and said, well, none of that homie stuff. This is uh, what he says to me. Yeah. My coach after that, they used to call me cornbread. Wow. You understand really? what I'm saying? Now, now wow. people heard this. It was, you know, it was a team full of people. You yeah. Know? People who I was close to and things like that. No amount, and sometimes not just players, but other like adults. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Like there was adults who heard this and just didn't say nothing. No one said uh, nobody no, said dude, nobody yeah. nobody thought it might be slightly inappropriate or anything like that. What I learned, what that taught me was that there are, there is no for all of the crazy stuff that could be said to a person about. Like for, from a racial standpoint, there's no, there's not enough good-hearted white people who would stand up to that to prevent it from happening. Right. Like it will always happen. Like like it'll yeah. happen because there's even though people know that uh, you know that that it might be wrong, they <coughs> you you have a image to uphold, and sometimes you have a uh, you know you don't want to seem like uh, you know. The white guy who, you know, why you got to take it there, you know? Because sometimes it needs to be taken there. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why I appreciate people like yourself who, you know, you you didn't have to you didn't have to listen to the perspectives of people of color. Mm. You could have you just, you know, stuck your head in the sand and just been like, hey, you know, everything is good, you know? There's so many people, so many adults. That's the part that really bugs me. Because I get that kids, you know what I mean? I get kids being around. Nobody said anything when that lady said that to me in the classroom about the, the plagiarization. Sure. They had, I looked around at people's faces and people knew, like, I seen their faces and they was like, <laughs> they, right. just, they knew it was wrong, but nobody spoke up. And I get that because you're kids. But the way that, like, what unfolded, like, with the principal. Because, like, actually, I ended up having a meeting with him first before I had a meeting with uh, the teacher. And he he said something to, to almost like what he was saying was that it happened so long ago that it should it shouldn't even be thought about anymore. That it was it happened a couple months ago. So it's old (laughs) news. And And as I've gotten older, I was just the other day, I was just like. What the hell? Like, why? Did, like, 
And, and you know, I went along with it because I think at that time, I just was trying to get through You're high school. You're trying to move on, right. You know You're I mean? a teenager in high school. You're I was just, just trying to get through it. You know what I mean? But <sighs> when I look back on it, I'm like, this was completely just irresponsible. Like, you, you didn't even... Like, I could get, like, if, you know... <laughs> I know people have slippages of the tongue and stuff, but what she went on was, I don't know, like she 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 exposed it's calculated. A, she exposed yeah. a lot of who she was. Yeah, you know what I mean, right there, and it was like nothing. It's almost just like sweep that under the rug. Like that doesn't, and maybe that's really what it is at the end of the day. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they feared some sort of like legal type. Of, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Or maybe they didn't disagree with what she said. Possible, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so weird to try to figure people out because it's like sometimes, like I, when I meet people, I really have to like do this like deciphering mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like, are you racist? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had that conversation with white friends. You know, like, and I and I can see it too. Like, I because I'm so accustomed to it at this point like in, in high school you know going to like a Mennonite but I hung out in the dorm a lot even though I wasn't at the dorm I hung out in the dorm a lot and most of the kids that lived in the dorm were from you know Bronx or so, Philly yeah. or something so I would be at a lot of parties where I was like the only white guy or one two white guys and it would be like three or four white girls usually but but that brings a guy. whole different perspective right yeah, it's a whole different perspective. So now I, you know, but that was a start. So now it's kind of been like even churches I've went to have been predominantly um, black or at least very, very diverse or lots of black and Latino. And so I started at 42. Now I'm more comfortable in an all black space than I'm in an all white space, which is may seem weird, but it's just it's no. been the norm for so long. Well, not to me. But when I meet, when I meet, Sometimes, not every. Sometimes, when I need meet a new person um, for the first time, you can kind of see them unpacking me a little bit first. Like, is all right? Is he cool? Is he not cool? Yeah. And and like exactly what you're saying, you have to do that. You know, like where's he at? I I always say like when a when a white person says I don't see him as being black, it means something totally different. Then when a black person says, I don't see him as being white. Yeah, it's a so different situation. when a white person says, I don't see him as being black, he's basically saying, like, blackness is over here and it's a bad thing. Mm. I see it as a bad thing. But you're different. I you're see like enough good us. qualities in this guy. Yeah, you can, you're like You can us. join the you're group okay. over here. Yeah. When th- a black person says, I don't see you as being white, they're saying, typically, this is what I feel is being said, I don't see you as being oppressive or judgmental or of me, but I just see that you see me as a regular person. So you're cool because like you just see me as a person. You're not yeah. coming with all that stuff yeah. of oppression mindset, that white supremacy mindset that we talked about. White is in my mind. And I used to, one of my best friends, um, you know, he, he went to Ephrata. He graduated in 94. Um, I told you my man, no. And, that, like the clan came to his football. The story, this story is still blows. You know what I'm saying? Like every yeah. time he tells, you know what I'm saying? Blows like, my mind. Like, you mean like so? You know, I didn't meet him for years. Years later, he moved away. He, he you know, he he played ball. He was he was kind of like he was like my basketball. I was like his basketball padawan. Like I was like the like uh, you know. He went to high school. He had the same coach in high school that I did. The same dude to call me cornbread. 
who sat him and told him when he got left high school he never played basketball again. He played in a couple of like D two, D three schools. <laughs> Play, he, he didn't play. play he, he didn't play when he was in high school. Like no, he, he sat played, the bench. He, the, the, he he benched him a lot of stuff. I mean, he he had a, he had football scholarships. He had actually like he I had played. A, I played against Ryanell in bat over in Adamstown somewhere yeah. like years ago. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like he, you know, he he had a tryout with the Sixers. He played for um, Daryl Dawkins was his coach one time when he was playing for this team, the Valley Dogs. That um, Randy Moss actually ended up playing for that team, um, so he had he he had a lot of um, basketball like experience, and then he came back when like my senior year, and he had an effect on the team that this town cannot acknowledge. Like he's like uh. a enemy of this town. He's a, uh. he's a villain here, but he's like. My he's my old head. Like he is right. like he you know, um he was the first one he was the first one uh, to to get me to go to a, a, a tryout uh when I uh, played for this team in Harrisburg. Um he was the first like he, he spearheaded a lot of things and there's see there's a, a lot of the best basketball players that came from here actually kinda come from his line, but they're not a part <laughs> of Ephrata. You know what right. right. So I would talk to him a lot about, you know, <clears throat> uh, just the the, the view, racial viewpoint of the time. Because, I mean, like, he graduated in, like, 94. <clears throat> you know, I was born in 87. So <clears throat> I was just trying to get a feel for, like, the time and stuff. And he was saying that, like, when he, he was, he grew up in a time where, you know, he was born in, like, I think the 70s, like, late 70s. So, he said he was born at a time where biracial, he's biracial. He said a lot, biracial people didn't really even exist a lot. Because it was like, for such a long time, it was illegal in certain places. Right. And then it was socially unacceptable in a good deal of places, probably up until around the 70s or something right. like that. Yeah. So... When he moved, so when he he ended up here, people didn't know what to make of him. You know what I mean? Like, and and you know, I think <clears throat> in talking to him, it just made me realize like there people have like we people have been going through this a really long time. Like, there's an entire history of just like how black people have been viewed and how that affects the people living in that society at the time. Because it creates different people. You know, it's... Um, I think now we're at a time where um, it's almost... Uh, it's, 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 it's a dangerous time, I think, right now for, for the culture. Because... Now we're at a time where I feel like people don't even want to hear anything about the black perspective. Like, people, I feel like there's a lot of white people who've been so kind of beat over the head with racism and slavery yeah. and stuff like that. They're like, I don't even want to hear anything. Right. Like, I don't want to hear mm. any more. And it's like, but you haven't learned. You haven't yeah. learned the lesson yet. Yeah, that's why I think it's lesson. important for white people that that do get it, that are pissed off about it themselves, 
to be able to speak up. Those ones that aren't speaking up, you know, but because it's now it's 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 our responsibility. It's my responsibility as a white dude to be like, listen, there's some things you don't need. You're right. You don't need to hear it from black people. You need to hear it from other white people. When, like when you know, black people say it, it's always uh, <coughs> people. That, it, people can say, oh well, that sounds hostile and things like. That. It's like, no, I don't think it's. It's definitely not hostile because realistically, if if black people like you were saying earlier weren't patient, then this entire situation could have really looked different. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. If, if if all of the slaves back in the day just would have been like, you know what, we're done with this. We're just killing everybody. And sometimes that would happen in small, pockets, you know, pockets. Right. Yeah. But if it wasn't like, you know, like a big thing that really, like, ever popped off, I think that within the white psyche, there is that fear. Um, The fear of, what if one day black people just get sick and tired of it? I think that's sure. why the clan was formed. Right. I think the clan mm. I don't I you know, I think a lot of people say, you know, I think that there are certain aspects of the clan they really thought that they were doing something honorable because they were like, Look, look at what happened with black people. It's gonna come a day when black people when white when white unionize. people when white people <laughs> are gonna need protection from black people. Because it's like you know, they're like, Well look you know, Anybody who has any understanding of the 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 history of it has to kind of think that it's at least a possibility, right? But and that's why you know I've always applauded people. I've, of course, I've heard a fair share of black people talking about, oh, well, we need to have a revolution and do this and that, and you know, violent means. But the real revolution revolution is a thing that happens in the mind before it happens anywhere. Um, that's why in my life, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who I would think it would have been huge racist if not, if I hadn't been able to talk to them and influence the way that they saw the world. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's where, you know, I, you can't, you're not going to have this revolution where you just kill everybody. No, you, you have to. I, I'm I'm about changing the mentality of people. Yeah, you know, I had to educate people. You know, yeah, education is important, but it's like they're not teaching this to anybody at a school. I don't understand how there's not a class about race. I know. Like I don't understand. I think that actually, that is maybe one of the biggest things that plagues white culture is that there is this incredulous nature about race. Because I mean, think about it, right? When you're white in this world, you look at all these other people, and they're pigmented. And then that has to start the question, well, why am I not? Yeah. And then that question, if not answered scientifically and realistically, can turn into, oh, I don't look like them because I'm better. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I have, this skin has value. This, don't, don't. Don't come darkening up my family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and now you have an entire um, psychology of, you know, well, I, white has to be the best because that's what I am. Really, anybody who understands genetics and understands like why, like why people's pigments are different, they understand that it's just one. There's only one race of people. It's the human race. Yeah. 
There's only one race of people on the planet. Yeah. But because we don't understand the word race, right. we we look at it like, oh, well, no, black and white, and, uh, that those are races. No, that's just, those are phenotypes. That's, that's <laughs> not the same thing. Totally, totally made up concept that we still believe. I mean, it's just so it was a it was a social construct. There was um, one of the popes in the twelve hundreds, I think it was thirteen hundreds, around there, wrote uh, uh, one of the bulls for the Catholic Church that was basically saying that people with white skin were supposed to go conquer the world. You know, which is kind of started and went into That's Christopher the, Columbus yeah, and all that. It's manifest but destiny. that, but that concept of and they actually hired scientists at the day to to try to prove why this these races. So originally it was like there was the Caucasoids, the Mongoloids, and the Negroids, and then they added really quick the Australoids. Australoids, yeah, and to try to separate people, and they just kept running into roadblocks because there wasn't enough. There was always things that were crossing over. You know, all right. We're going to use noses. We're going to use penis sizes. I mean, this is all yeah. stuff they really use. They and, yeah. and it just all started to cross over. And, like, nothing worked. So you came up with more races and more races and more races of people. And we're still trying to believe this stuff that, that is was totally made up. But the whole point was, and like you said earlier, white's a fairly recent concept. You can't find any writings in history before probably the 1700s where you refer to people as white or black. Like, it didn't happen back then <laughs> it was, it, it's a, it's an american thing like i remember I, I i wish i could remember a little bit more of this lecture i would listen to but i listened to this lecture called the invention of whiteness mm. and they were talking about how it had something to do with like during the co- colonial stages of america at some point in time you know th- these societies were far more open than people believed them to be like there was native peoples in them at times there was Af- people of african lineage you know there was all there was different kinds of people in a lot of these colonies and i think what eventually started to happen was is that they designated white mm-hmm. in order to create a power structure to say, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, these people are like, you know, we trade with them and do stuff, you know what I mean? But they're not white. So, you know, in in the, I guess, the accumulation of things that began to make a nation before, you know, when we, you know, we just had colonies here, whiteness became important for things like land ownership and things yeah. like that. Like, yeah. these things weren't even... You know, people will talk about people from more from, like, where they came from more so than, like, what they look like when you look at, like, historical writings. Like, people weren't really yeah. like, oh, it was a black guy. <laughs> like, no, he's, this guy was from the Congo or something. You know what I mean? Like, he's Congolese or something like that. Like, nationality more so than race. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and in, and in America today, and we, we talk about this in... In those in those realms of of anti-racism training, with whiteness, whiteness has has we do white caucuses as well. So we'll talk, you know, just in groups of white people, as well as coming together with all um, um, everybody and as a group as well. But that whiteness has 
the uh, concept of whiteness has affected white people, and we don't realize how it has, because it's actually taken our other identity of who what our history is. So you know, even you know, you do hear stories of how the Irish struggled in X Y Z, and how it was for the Italians and stuff, which still isn't this isn't the same. <laughs> it's isn't true. The same, but once they laid that down and and transformed into the whiteness, now it's they're white, and once. So lay down like your history of no maybe the Mennonites have kind of kept a little bit or Amish have kept a little bit more than than the average white person in America but for the most part you can drop everything else and become white so we've had that hyphen taken from us and it says <laughs> one black friend always says white people you gotta get your hyphen back yeah. you gotta get your hyphen yeah, back what is you that? are it's just white you, you know, are nothing. Swedish American yeah. <laughs> get that. It's your history, but that's the number. I think that that's one of the things that's maybe the 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 one of the biggest effects of the concept of white, black as terms that you use for people is is that here we are now, and like you said, you said white people need their hyphen, but here I am, I have no hyphen. Black, I heard somebody say there is no black on you, there is no Mm. there is no black, you know, black vein years like that doesn't exist. Because in in robbing a person of their history, you now like you you've robbed them of nationality. Yeah. You they are not really I guess what you would call backed by a flag. There is no black flag anywhere. Yeah, it's and just it's 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 so you know you have people Irish Americans Italian you know kiss me I'm Irish you know Italian. It's like, where are you black? You know what I mean? Where are your family from? Texas. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, no, like, there's an entire, you know, I think only now have we entered a time where, you know, you can get your genetics, um, you know, uh, you know, you can get on, I ain't going to say Ancestry.com because I heard they do some pretty nefarious things. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've, I've told you my conspiracy <laughs> on that. <laughs> but, but things of that nature, you know, not all of those um, companies collect that stuff yeah it's more data collecting even going even going back to and that started what you're touching on of you know that what identity piece for for black americans is is lost even going back to those four groups that we talked about caucasoid and and australoid and negroid and mongoloid even then there was if you take caucasoid all right there was there was a land connected to that the caucasus mountains there yeah. was an identity connected to that the australoids there was an identity connected to that australia and there's original people in australia and the mongoloids there was a there was mongolia, mongolia was connected yeah. to that well, what's With the Negroid, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing connected. That was on purpose. No, that's, that was purposeful. That's crazy. I just that because I, I never thought about it like that. But that's real. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a word to mean black, and not it wasn't a connection to a nation or a country or an identity. So, you know, it was it was purposeful from the beginning to my, to take that away. Yeah, my my main I guess because it's like on the the real conspiracy theory end of it. In my real conspiracy mind, what I see is they keep, you know, when they talk about ancient cultures and things like that, they're always talking about that. But African ancient civilization is always kind of left out of that. Hmm. And to me, it would seem that, all right, the more you dig down in the earth, you're just going to find darker and darker people. 
Because at one point in time, you know, th- this is this has to do with that mystery that 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 kind of I think is um, part of you know when when we say like like the the white psychosis or something like you know the psychosis that comes over some white people who value their skin more. Part of that is the idea that hey, there was a time where there were no white people on this planet. Like there was, you know what I mean? Like there was a time yeah. before what I believe from what I understand, there was a, there was a glaciation period where some Africans, there was a, there was a glaciation period where some Africans had gotten trapped in, uh, you know, a, in a, in an Arctic type of a situation, like in a, you know, and, and had been there for like somewhere around a thousand years or something like that. And that African had to depigment in order to, um, you know, there's no there's no sun during this time. So then, if you you think, all right, if this person is living living in this you know uh, cold lands, they're gonna have to do certain things. They're gonna have to adapt, and that's the beauty of the of the human. The human went all these different places in the world, and didn't just stay one thing and just adapted to the situation. That yeah. you know what I mean, and that you know that's where I think you know that's where uh, I think you can understand that there's only just one people here that is you know I'm proud of humanity for you know going everywhere in the world and figuring out a way to make it work, even if you have to lose your pigment or you have to lose your hair or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. But. We figured out a way to divide people with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, crazy. You know, we figured out how that's a bad thing. That's, well, that's it almost ultimately comes back to power, greed, and division. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a game at the end of the day. It's a it has to be a game because everybody who knows anything about it knows it's not real. They just it's just something that we do. It, it it's probably you know like for those people who want to control the world like that it's it's probably you know if if it wasn't that if it wasn't skin it'd be something it'd else. be something else it's like yeah. that yeah. that statement you said about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps when i hear that stuff like that stuff drives me crazy because yeah. i go to baltimore and i'm sorry i don't know how you pull yourself up by the bootstraps when you're going to school when you're a little kid you're going to school and you have no heat yeah in the middle of winter the dead of winter it's 30 20 degrees out something like that and you got no heat and we live in effort my kid comes home with a laptop i'm just i right. mean i don't understand the 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 thought process like yeah. how how is an area of children that are going to grow up with the idea of like if i was the, if i lived there i'd be like well nobody gives a fuck about me i'm so i'm yeah. going to school with no heat you know, like all yeah. these things are going on around me. Like, no, wh- why would you grow up with an idea? You know, I'm with an idea that's that changed things. I don't it's know. Like, yeah. yeah, like, but about uh, pull myself my boots. Like, I don't have any boots. Yeah, boots. Exactly. So, like, how how can I, I hate that that whole like yeah. statement and stuff? It's just it's mad. yeah. What also I know one person in particular. Again, I won't call names, but. I had this conversation with hardest working person that I know because they have that they believe that same thing. Pull yourself over your bootstraps. You are the hardest working person I know, and you come from 
well, you just got to work hard and you succeed in life and all that. All right, by far the hardest working person I know, and you're now in your 50s, right? You've been working really hard for 30 plus years. Why are you not a multimillionaire right now? <laughs> why are you, n- if that's all it is, you got, why are you still like in a, you know, the eighty hundred thousand dollar range all your life? Yeah, I mean, there's something bigger than just, all right, just work hard and you're gonna. At my job, we got a 50, the dude's 58 years old that I'm the painter and he tapes up the cars for me, right? The dude's the hardest working guy in the shop. He's 58 years old making like 10 bucks an hour working. Right. That's you know what I mean? Like, that hurt yeah. my feelings. I mean, it's just like, what are we doing? Like, that's the hard. He's, he's works. And he does other, he's doing other people's jobs for him because they're too lazy. And I'm like, this dude's 58. You know, and he's yeah. probably, and I, like, you can tell certain things about people. I and mean, he's worked that way his whole life. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, he's been in the military and, like, all these things and, you know, has hap- things have happened to him or whatever. But he's 58 years. He's making $10 an hour. He's going to have to work that kind of job for the rest of his life. Yeah. Which is inconceivable to me. Yeah, but, you know. I and this is I'm- a guy in the military that got a, a, a medically, I don't know what, the exactly the freight like he was discharged because of medical wow so i mean that dude is making 10 bucks an hour they i think with that thing with the whole bootstraps thing a lot of times you hear that from i hear that from more older black people than i do like (laughs) than like older white people like that's not that i haven't heard it from older white people but it's almost like this like um I don't know. I think I've seen cases where when I've been around older black men who've had some degree of success monetarily, they feel like they've they're in this like elevated place where they're like looking at you like if you're younger and you're not, you know, you're not, you're not, uh, you know, rich or something like that. Like they'll be looking at you like. You need to listen to my example, you know. It's listen to what I did, you know. I, it's like, all right. Even for example, my dad, you know, when my dad, my dad was a police officer. He's a state cop. He was, um, he got hit by a truck when I was like thirteen or something mm. like that, and um, you know, he got hit by his eighteen wheeler and like it broke him up, and you know, he was head to toe he's all messed up so he got a settlement out of that before that we were just like living in a townhouse you know and then we moved to like a six thousand square foot house after the settlement and things like that and i watched i watched that do a psychological job on my dad because it was like now he's in you know he it's almost kind of like all right, there was a time in my life where he would be, he'd be looking at me like, "Well, you got you got to have something like this nice or better, like uh, like mm. his house, you know." And I'm like, "I don't think you remember how this happened. Mm. <laughs> like this happened because of an accident. You know what I mean? Like this wasn't because you were a state cop. Or, <laughs> like, they, this wasn't because you were like th- that's not why this happened." Um, but I watched that and it taught me something, and that is that accumulating a lot of money can make you lose touch with certain right. with reality yeah like you can like you you you'd be like um 
but yeah, crisis I, averted. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think um, sometimes, <clears throat> definitely in the black community, you know, when <clears throat> when there's there's certain level of success, they the idea becomes, well, I did it, and everybody else can do it, and that's that's completely ignorant of the fact that. You know, a person's life. Think about all the different things that, like, had to happen in your life in order for you to find yourself where you are right now. You had to, like, there's so many intricate little things that could, you know. One thing I always think about, if I would have went to this one college, I probably wouldn't have, like, my kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just little stuff that seems insignificant, you know, that, that influences that. You know the um, right now, I th- I think the number one thing for like black youth, you know, it seems like the scary part is is that it's become a business to lock people up. Yeah, absolutely. And the black male is the most incarcerated person in the world, like that, like in all of the world, and in a. <laughs> That's why it's, it's it's crazy to me when like I'll see like older black people. I'm like, don't you see like the situation? Don't you see what's going on here? Land like, of the free, though, right? You know, <laughs> that's a, you know they gotta say that. There's an entire. It's it's kind of like um you ever read that book 1984? Uh, you know I don't read. Well, I, I gotta listen. I 19, can't well, read. Well, uh, <laughs> listen to the audio book because right. like because it's. You know, they would have Is that like the George Orwell one. Yeah, you yeah. know, and they would have stuff like, like they would have signs up like "War is peace" and stuff like that. Like they, like you know, that's that's the reality of it. You well, know, I'm, we're the most incarcerated. You're in the land of the free. There's more people incarcerated than anywhere else. In Trump's the first pr- uh, attorney general, Jeff Sessions, he owned stock. He's the attorney general. He owns stock in prisons. Cause he's I mean, smart. yeah, but like <laughs> that's the guy determining laws and and stuff like that, and he's making decisions based off of how he can make more money by yeah. imprisoning more people. Then to hear how he's talking about weed, yeah. then he's talking about weed and talking about oh, well, oh yeah, like it's a like there needs to be more people locked up. Well, for it, yeah, having a flower. Like it, yeah, for non-violent for crimes. a non-violent crime. Like I always look at that. I'm like, in the future, they're gonna look at us like we're crazy people because they're gonna be like, they used to lock people in cages because they had flowers. Like small they amounts. Had go to prison for longer and than rapists. They locked a person up. Yeah. Like that. That's an that's, that's an crazy. insane type of thing. But now that heroin is affecting white communities, we just now need, it's a problem. Yeah, we don't need to lock them up. We just need. We need to help them. We need more help. Yeah, they need help. In fact, and we will we will bring them back to life crisis if now. they die with this. You know, they yeah. have, able to, police are able to bring them back. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. I'm not saying that we, they do need help. I'm, I mean, I agree with that 100%. But why was that not done with the black community marijuana, which is a lesser of a problem, a lesser of a drug, lesser of an issue, and you're locked black men up over and over and over again. I think that you're they, talking about something that helps people. Actually, we're talking about a thing that I mean, when we talk, I mean, we were talking about earlier about um, the socialism and the smear and the smear campaign that was run on that. The smear campaign has been run about marijuana 
is I mean, we're talking about something that has been going on for a long time. Like we're talking about uh the nineteen thirties. The nineteen thirties they began this propaganda about it. When I was young like when I was coming up in high school and stuff People couldn't even they couldn't come around me with weed and stuff like that because I was like I'm 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 a basketball player I'm I'm trying to do it the right way and this and that and um, I went to college and I did a report and that was the first time I educated myself at all about anything that had to do with marijuana and I was mm-hmm. like oh so really this has more to do with the fact that hemp was threatening petrochemical companies exactly. because you could there's all these different uses for hemp that these you know would have replaced these petrochemical companies and then they had lobbyists and they had um they had people they they came up with this uh like the first narcotics type of uh, uh the guy named Harry Anslinger he um he was like the first narcotics dude and he and they ran this whole that's when this reefer madness stuff and it was a propaganda campaign to keep something elite because realistically it had never they it, they studied it they when they did studies they they came to the conclusion that they should uh legalize it but those that they disregarded those studies they you know and and the thing about it is is like I've been far too drunk some nights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Any experience I've ever had with weed, I've n- I n- there's a difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I've been I've been very drunk at times where I was, you know, when you know when you have that when you're so drunk you wake up and you're like I'm never drinking again. <laughs> You know, right? But I, you know, I've never had any kind of situation in my life where I I've been around or had smoked too much weed or something like that, and then uh, like I was swing like I've no, seen people no, do the worst stuff on alcohol. There's no weed poisoning. There's no the, 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 uh, uh, just right. alcohol. You poisoning. cannot overdose. <laughs> I have friends. I live, you know, growing up in Ephrata. Anybody who's from this area, you are, we all know people who are, are overdosed on heroin, yeah. on cocaine, on all kinds of stuff like that. Like my my friend, I grew up in a drug culture. Like my friends were on hard stuff. Yeah, you know that's just because those were my those were the people who would really accept me. You know, like the 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 the, the kids that my parents wanted me to hang out with. They didn't want anything to do with me. Like they, you know, they they were off in their nice house homes and stuff. So I was always, even though I was kind of like upper middle class, <coughs> I still hung out with people who were like lower class people. Like you know, like that. I've always felt more comfortable anyway. You know, right? And you know, when you grow up around lower class people, you it's easy to be in a drug culture because I think. Um, the, the financial strain of that creates um, people's dependencies. You know, people, like, when your everyday reality is, I'm going to this job and I'm working and it's not getting me anywhere. Just escape from reality. What, the, as long as that's happening, people will do drugs. As long as, long, yeah. the, people, they, that, there's this fantasy in people's minds that you're going to do away with drugs. You can't. Because, I mean, 
the most psychoactive drug in the world is caffeine. Mm, yeah. So you cannot do away with drugs. It's impossible. Yeah. Like, I mean, let alone things like sugar <laughs> and all sure. these other things that have all these effects on people. So people oh, it'll get you high. I've seen people drink uh, coffee and not be the same person that they were right. before they did that. Yeah. And they get to go get their crack at Starbucks. <laughs> and, and they're paying like lines. 10 bucks for a cup. The, like, the, you know, a little, like little cup. This big. That, you know, that's. Yeah. It's the amount of families that have been broken up. Oh, man. Because of alcohol. The amount of the amount of deaths. I mean, obvious. Like, it's just, it's insane. And then we come down on marijuana the way that we do. And we can't make all those same claims. Oh, about I think that. they're going to legalize it. They're going to legalize it everywhere, but the difference, what's going to happen, and and the, is just financial now. Now yeah. they're going to the the people that we talk about that are people we don't even know about are going to take over control. Sure. Yeah, you know I mean, and they're gonna they're gonna be the ones that own the companies that yeah. now push yeah. it and sell it, and it's gonna be accepted. And you're not gonna release and all, all those people are... that are in jail, right? That got thrown in jail for some stupid little amount of something, a plant in their pocket for no reason are still going to be in jail or yep. they're going to be out of jail with a record on their, you know, with right. a, a offense. They won't, there's a, on Netflix now, there's a documentary called Grass is Greener. Um, it has the guy, um, Fab Five Freddy, he used to be on your MTV rap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Fab Five Freddy. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's, uh, he's like the executive producer of the documentary and they really kind of go into, you know, a, a lot of the history um that this country has with weed and at the same time like talking about you know they they tell a story about a guy who had two i think two prior offenses and then he had a joint in his pocket and he ended up doing 14 years you know then and it's like you know and they show see that's the kind of stuff that gets me because it's like they show his family you know what I mean? That's just like, you know, what do they think they're doing to people's families by just taking people, like, you know what I mean? Like, taking father figures. Taking, that. not even, well, yeah, father figures, brothers. They're taking, yeah. like, you know what I mean? They're taking all these people. It's almost like they took a nation of people and just put them somewhere. Engineered. Yeah. And then they're just like, what was wrong with y'all? Why? It's the same thing as probably what happened in Africa. I mean, they like, went, how are you going to take all them people and then not have no negative effect? And then they wonder, like, what's wrong with it over there? Well, I don't know. You People came and kidnapped a whole bunch of people. And then and then you wonder what happened. You know, like, it's, you know. Th- that is so, that is so crazy to think that I had a joint in my pocket. Now I'm doing 14 years. And I was doing harm to who or to what or he who was I didn't even hurt anybody. Yeah, like there's nothing there to say that this man needs to go away for 14 years. Nothing. There's nothing except for I, the, I you know they came out with that. these like mandatory minimums and things. They because uh, we still being a Schedule One drug, which is still just mind boggling. Because how? Uh, so they give them some help to get off of weed. If you really think that that's the problem. Then why, like, just like we're doing with heroin right now, yeah, 
Why not give him some help to to understand the, all the dangers of weed so you can stop smoking? Because Why not do that instead of they, throwing him in prison? Well, I first off, the part of it too is the fact that it cures some diseases. So you got the pharmaceutical companies in a bind, right? All the drugs they're pushing, all the nonsense they're pushing, it somehow compromises them. Well, they own how many lobbyists, how many politicians. Right. So right away, there's, I mean, that's going to be the biggest you know, biggest issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's, and it comes back to greed and corruption and power. So, yep, it keeps so, coming back to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, in the end, it's just, you know, certain people that control the power, that control the narrative, and they're just going to do whatever they want, I guess. See, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm at a time now where I'm st- like, all right, when I was younger, I was like, oh, people smoke weed to get high, and that's its main purpose. But I think that historically, man's like, relationship has all has usually always been medicinal with that with it, it you know there's a guy um named rick simpson if you ever get a chance i listened to that one i was yeah that one was good too he, he was talking about that thing the yep. phoenix tears that was the first one i listened Do you to. ever listen to any of the testimonials or some of the people no. Who had this no like this guy there, there's a testimony this this guy makes uh this uh it's uh thc based um it's like a oil Will, yeah and um he teaches you how to make it yep. and stuff like for that. For free. He doesn't charge. Free. You know, he just has it online. And, you know, there was I watched a testimonial of a guy who got some of this. And this dude had gotten, sta- he had stage four cancer. He, it, had, it, it, had, uh, it had spread everywhere in his body. Mm-hmm. So this guy, you know, he they said his his count cancer count was like like white cells probably it's it it was like five thousand or something like he showed he had the papers and he shows them on this video and the guy um you know he has this party he has this going away party pretty much because he's like i'm gonna die so i'm gonna get all the people who i love and we're gonna have a party and stuff so the people come and somebody who was there brought him some of these things you know this what he calls phoenix tears and he just started taking it, and um, his pa- they show his paperwork, and they see, they show his cancer numbers drop to the point where it's like two two hundred mm. something. Mm. You know what I mean? From five thousand, and he goes back to work. He got, he starts working. I mean, this is a guy who was in a chair all day long because he. And I'm honestly surprised that guy's still not not the uh, the Simpson Rick guy. Simpson. I'm surprised they I'm haven't surprised killed him. He's, I'm surprised he's alive. Yeah, because usually when people start coming out with cures for things that the pharmaceutical companies swear that they're the only dead. people who yeah. they can, those people end up dead. Like Doctor Sebi, like Doctor yep. Sebi, Nipsey Hussle, right? Yeah, he yeah. was doing a documentary. Yeah, he like was going to do like. You know, like just just like that. You know what I mean? Because everybody's like, oh, how did how did? Because I mean, I know that there's like an official uh, report of how he died, but that people have always been skeptical of that. You know, definitely yeah. in the black community, we we've seen way too many examples in the black community of people who were saying truthful things and died for that. That's right? why I, I, like I we, we the, the, our heroes are a bunch of people who were saying real stuff. And then it got too real, and then somebody killed him. Yep. Yep. It happens all the time. There's a list of 
thousands of doctors that have cured stuff that had been killed. And it's like it's like airplane crashes, right? I tell my I tell my one daughter, so like she's we had a conversation, I was like, There's plane crash and I'm like, But you know what? Tell me who was on board and I'll tell you if I believe it was a real plane crash or somebody mm. did something because there's been tons of plane crashes where there's been doctors going to conventions and doctors going to places where plane where there's three or four of them together on the same plane and then it's crashed yeah. like you know it's like you got you gotta have to make sure that there's nobody prominent on you know like, <laughs> like oh listen i need, a, I need a driver's now. license i need going. a driver's license i need some information <laughs> what do you do going. I'm not going on that did you, plane. Did you discover a cure for cancer? <laughs> oh, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'll wait for the next one. Thanks. But that's, I mean, but that's that's how insidious it is. You know, exactly. all we can do is all we can do is laugh about it because the reality of it is is like it's so um, it's it's a heartbreaking thing to come to grips with the realities of you know def, you know. Ever since I had kids, you know, not that I had, didn't care about the future before, but when you have children, you start to be like, oh. Yeah, perspective changes. Leave, Absolutely. I, what am I leaving here for these, like, for them? Like, I can't even, I can't even fathom what my children will see. Like, I don't need, I can't, I, I just can't. Right. I mean, realistically, from a technological standpoint, you don't even know what's going to be out in five <laughs> know, years. Right? You mean like world's gonna be very different? It's gonna be way in 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 five to ten years. We're gonna be dealing with probably a predominantly automated workforce, and that's gonna Mm. change the way people live. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it does that because it's like the real people want the ultimate worker. This has always been about. (laughs) From its inception, hey, let's where who's the worker? Let's get these slaves. Why? Mm. Because they're free and they can work in this heat. Mm-hmm. So if it begins there and you're looking for the ultimate worker, the ultimate worker is a robot. Right. Because it doesn't sleep. It, does, it, it, doesn't it, take it, vacation. it doesn't take vacation. It doesn't call in sick. No work <laughs> you know with no work none with of comp that. insurance. None of that. So, yeah. so that, thing, that uh, thing has to be on its way. No attitude. There's no, you know, no, so you really the, the, the reality overseas. The question is, is... is you're going to get to that point. And we talked about this before, the, the, the uh, <coughs> trucking industry. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's going to, that's going to take a huge hit. Cause there's huge. a, that there's a lot of truckers in the trucking industry right now. I mean, you know, your, your normal shopping is online now. It's, yeah. it's making a, you know, a transfer uh, into that where all these stores are closing. I just saw a dollar store, the dollar store <laughs> where everything's a dollar is closing 400 stores. Uh, nationwide all right if the dollar store can't afford to do business because they don't have people obviously people are buying either nobody's buying anything or we're changing into a system where there's a lot more online shopping it's one of the two we can't have like just nothing you know so those truckers are yeah right now they're in high demand what happens when that that automated tesla truck comes in that that, that's coming and then all those and and most of those people from like what a lot of stuff i listen to you know those are people that just come right out of high school and they just their truck you know that's what they do so what are those people gonna do 
I mean, it's not like we're going to all go start working on, you know, artificial intelligence. We're not going to start coding yeah. and, and all of a sudden be computer science geniuses. This yeah. is not going to happen. Yeah. What do we do with all those people? I mean, any young person, anybody that has a, that I talk to parent wise and is like, I don't know what my kid's going to do. I'm like, they need to start working in computer science or something. Cause that's the future. That's what it is. Yeah. Believe it or not, I actually thought about that when I started when I started the business. I mean, I was working for a moving company, but I had other skills too, and and I just kind of got up to the point where like I'm not working for this dude anymore. I'm gonna, I need to do something my own. And I always promised myself I was going to. I was like, but I, you know, I'm coming right out of already moving, moving, working for a moving company. I'm like, but you know what? Also, not gonna be able to replace movers too easy. Right. <laughs> You're only gonna need a right. guy to actually physically carry that furniture out of the house. Yeah. It'll be a long time before That's we get robots to do that. Exactly. So. That's the I think we'll be good I for mean, a while. <laughs> but I don't even know because, I mean, I just saw, like, I saw, I saw the other day, they, there was a mechanical dog, like, it was a robot dog. And he j- the robot dog opened the door for the other robot dog. And I was like, well, okay, well, we're just, we're, we're about 15, 20 years away from a a robot that has the dexterity of a human like if if these things can open a if it's a little if a if a robot dog can open a door in this time in 15 years there will be some sort of robot that <laughs> you move your movie yeah. company he might yeah, right, he right, might, maybe hey you, did, you program that one grab that end yeah. of the sofa this one get this in you know and um, and probably yeah. do it better and not scrape up somebody's walls and stuff. Yeah. They'll be all like. So the ultimate reality is, where do all these uh, the the report I read was like thirty five or forty percent of the workforce they say in the next ten years, ten to fifteen years, will not have jobs. So where are those thirty five on top of you can say well you they say the unemployment is three point something percent that that's a bunch of bullshit. Right. It's. I listen to this. I think it's like twenty one, twenty two, because I listen to this one guy. He's his name's John Williams. John Williams does has this website. It's called ShadowStats.com, and he does all the unemployment based using the stats they used to use. Like they changed how they calculate unemployment. Right. So there's like after a certain time period, if you're unemployed, they don't count you unemployed anymore. Yeah. Or oh yeah, and then if you don't like if they if you let's say you're unemployed but you're getting unemployment, but you haven't applied anywhere. Yeah. Well, they, co- they consider you uh, some kind of unemployed worker or something. So now they can take that person off the number. So all what? of a sudden, oh, yeah, no, so he calculated it in a certain point. I forget it was like 19, maybe late 90s or the early. I can't remember, but they changed how they calculate it. And he uses the old stat and he comes up with like 22.3% or something. So like, you know, yeah. and he, he he does for inflation. If you think about it, really the problem, you know, the other thing is is the cost of living. The cost of living is ridiculous. We go to the grocery store, like ten years ago, the Oreo cookie bo- bag was this big, right? And it cost a dollar less. Now it's this big, and it costs two more dollars. You know what I mean? Like that's how they hide inflation in that kind of stuff yeah. you know yeah. and he he does the calculate like he does all kinds of stuff he calculates inflation too he says it's like seven percent so the call you know you put all this stuff together and it's just a recipe for disaster 
like an economic yeah. recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, there's got to be, hopefully, something comes along and, and we can all figure it out. But, like, it's kind of just scary. It is. And we still have, I mean, even if you're looking at it from an elitist standpoint, there still has to be enough people making enough money to keep buying the product that these robots are going to be making. So something they either have to not do that or they have to keep enough people in it. There has to be some kind of a balance. Or there. they have to lower or, population. <laughs> exactly. And so that, that's that a whole nother it is, that's, whole podcast in itself. Yeah. Look at the George Guystones that just mm-hmm. showed up out of nowhere. They say they, they want the po- world population to be 500 million. I think that's right. The world population. You're right. That's crazy. So that number is like, we're what, 333, 334 million? Well, you know. In America itself. In America, yeah. that's... So, I mean, but that's like deep, you know, that's like... Yeah. You You never know, you know. You never know what what the future's going to hold. You don't. But that's what gets back in, you know. That gets back to the idea, you know. All you really can do is have the influence that you have on your world... Exactly. And hope that you you might be inspiring other worlds. You know, like I think that that takes a level of you have to be self aware. You know what I mean? Like you have to be self aware enough to understand that you're affecting other things. You know, and I know it sounds like kind of mystical and stuff, but I, I believe that really it is about it's a matter of uh, a vibration. You know, of um. If we can create an element of love and creativity, you know, that that's infectious. You know, it, it infects people who may be even in the opposite end, who are, you know, hateful people who, you know, all it takes sometimes is for, you know, if you can make that guy who was going to become the villain, if you can make that guy turn into something... Um, that is fueled by love. Um, you know, maybe you get, <laughs> maybe you start to turn it around or something. I don't know. My hopes aren't too high for it all the time. I'm but not. You know. I, I, but that's, I don't know what else people can do. I don't know. You know. I mean, when I go to work and I see the 58 year old dude working for 1075 an hour, I think about myself and I'm like, I'm not going to be you that You don't want to be that. I, I always have, I always not, have role I, models like I that. I feel bad work. for him. And, yeah. like, like I just want to, like, I got a raise. And I'm, like, I told my wife today. I was, like, I'm going to tell my boss to give him a dollar of my raise. Because I'm, like, that is ridiculous. And you're 58 years old and you're a, a war veteran. And you're making ten seventy five an hour. Like. I mean, how does that guy live? Like what I was talking about with inflation, right? How you buy, you go to the grocery store, you got to feed three kids. You make, you bring home $300 a week or something. Your wife does something similar. Yeah. I mean, we spend 120 bucks, 130 bucks on groceries every week. And we mm-hmm. only, we have four people. And that guy probably got all kinds of post-traumatic stress. Oh, absolutely. Going on He's got like shrapnel in his eye or something. What? I'm telling you, it's, it's and, like, and you meanwhile, know. we have three Americans that have more wealth than 50% of our entire oh, population. Three people. That's why I don't know That's if it's socialism, crazy. communism, whatever it is. No. But you, you know have what to figure is? out something. Because this is. Oh, 
I'll find you a bunch of money. You just take all the people that don't that that participate in corporate welfare. You take <laughs> Am- you, you take yeah. Amazon. Amazon 2018. Let's see. Uh, oh, they not only did Comcast. they not pay. Yeah, well, Com and Netflix. Not only did Com or Amazon not pay taxes, they claimed a negative one tax rate, which gave them a hundred and twenty nine million dollar refund. Insane. So I mean, like, okay, let's just like. Can we just at least not give them a refund? I mean, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I check my check. I'm not yeah. getting, like, negative one. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, And nothing I, that they're doing is illegal. It's all stuff that's legal, but right. it's legal loopholes that but, should Well, not it's not illegal, but they have lobbyists that are helping creating them those creating lo- those right. loopholes. Exactly. So is it illegal? No, but... How we morally wrong? It's it's created (laughs) out of a corruption. Like the corruption began them. Because I think they said like the tax code like had like a thousand percent like increases over the last like what's that? I want to say thirty years or something like that. What's like, that? Like the like the tax code, like it, oh the tax code, like it like it increased. Oh yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. That means that. Um, you know, for the everyday people, you know, you're not going to know these loopholes and things. And that's only yeah. people in uh, those kinds of businesses have lawyers and things for oh. that. You know, like, yeah. but they do that intentionally doesn't have those loopholes. They don't want the everyday person to find out the loopholes. And it's that's l- the thing, you know, it's, and that's why, you know, it was built on a cor- the corruption was in the was in the idea of, hey, let's build all this stuff so that corporations can get more money. And the average person yeah. will have no clue how to even yeah. like approach it. <laughs> it's like is when we're talking about the hemp. Well, now they legalized hemp in a certain form, but you have to pay, you know, Steve from basketball. He he went out to like Pittsburgh to like they I guess they were putting on some kind of like display of what they could do with it and stuff and they were like in the process of de- determining if they were going to legalize it and they did but it cost like twenty five thousand dollars just to get a permit to have a discussion. Yeah. So I, I mean I don't know about you but I don't got twenty five grand <clears throat> to have a discussion. So how do you get people? Obviously the yeah. people that have the twenty five grand. Or, you know, the elite people right. that are just going to, this is going to be another business that we we made illegal. Now we'll legalize it just in time for the certain people to make profit off it. I always, yeah. The thing that I always used to, I remember the day when I really thought about, I went to the Hempfield wreck. And I was like, that's the first time it dawned on me that they named a place after a hemp field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because you say I didn't really the word think about that you, you said that. You, you say the word and you don't even think about what you're saying. Right, you're like right. Hempfield. Like it, you No, they named a place after Hempfield. Like that's crazy. You know, that's a, that's that's a, I mean, the, it must have been probably before it was right. illegal. But yeah, I mean that's the thing uh, that they're finding with it cuz even like from like the like the um like the smokable, like uh, like the marijuana aspect of it. There's a lot of people who've gone to prison for it, and now because they have records, are what, like they can't even be included in the business right, of it. Right, right. In its legality. Right, right. Yeah. Like, can't like set up a corner store. Yeah. Right. There was a uh, there was a lady on the documentary who outright said she's like there should be like reparations for it. 
Because I mean, in reality, if you think about it, they, they how many people's lives have been upended by just yeah. having a plant? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we it, can't even say we, you can't even. It's calculate. not even feasible. Yeah, it's just I have never heard. I mean, I've had this conversation with multiple people that are on the other side. You know, they're on the other side, and I've never heard anybody respond to that very same question. Like, oh, what are you gonna do? Like, what now that you've had? Let's say you had this dude that's has been locked up, and he was he was dealing marijuana, and he was really good at it. Other yeah. than he got caught. No, he was yeah. really good at it. Yeah. He was a great businessman. He right. ran it smooth. Most drug dealers. And he business. does not have the opportunity. Why does he not get the opportunity to run that business legitimately on the outside now? But he doesn't have that money to, to do that. He doesn't have the money to set up because of, like you said, what uh, what has been set up to be able to even do that or become a distributor. Yeah. There's no way he can financially do it. Why would you not give him that opportunity to do that? Because we live in a two-tier system. There's yeah. a system up here. It's the same in the legal. So the legal system's the same way. It's a yeah. two-tier system. Us bottom feeders, I guess, live on one tier, and then there's a group that live above that tier. You know? They showed, yeah. I remember they showed on the it's documentary, true. they showed, like, this convention. Like, this, like, it was, I think, out in Colorado. It was, like, a weed convention. And, like, the people who were there, like, like they were just interviewing the types of people and they were just like these like happy-go-lucky hippie type white people, <coughs> and it's like these are the people who've been put like kind of in control of this, and there's an entire like an entire demographic of people who've been locked away mm. for doing this, like so now, you know it it like you said like there's permits, there's all kinds of things that you need, that you need a license, you know and you know, you have to be living somewhere where, you know, it's legal, you know, it, it, it's still weird, really weird to me that like it's legal in some places and not legal. I, I can't keep track. I, I went don't to Connecticut. Try. I, well, no, not, well, not Connecticut. I went up to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the basketball hall of fame. If you go there, you, I, ever go, you go there. I have, no, I haven't been there. You might want to take like a team there. Nice. Cause, all right, that's in Massachusetts. I, this is a tangent. This is yeah, it's in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, I'm they of, legalized yeah. it. They legalized it recreationally in Massachusetts. There's a there's a dispensary. Um, yeah, it, there's a dispense. They they have a couple of dispensaries in Massachusetts. Long lines, long lines around the block and stuff. Think like about that. the economical yeah. impact on that though. But I, I got to say something about this basketball Hall of Fame because it was like I went there when I was a kid. And, you know, this was before basketball became... Basketball's like my religion. Right. Like, it's like... It's, I've learned so much about life through basketball. Yeah. So, the first part, they... Like, you get on this elevator and you go up to, like, this top floor and then you work, you, like, you work your way back down. And the top floor is literally... All right, there's, like, this circle like it's a the room is a huge circle it's a big dome um and there's just faces of basketball players just all these people and i had like a overload because i walked out like there's so many people i've learned so much stuff from and then like below they have like these little like um 
you know, everybody was inducted. They had a look. They had like a look, like a couple paragraphs and stuff. It was a huge room, and I was just learning stuff about all these different people. And I was just like people I never heard of. On top of the people who you know, I've already been learning so much stuff because it wasn't just basketball I learned from. Like, sure, I learned so many different things, like mentality wise, from certain people. I was just like, man, it was almost a holy experience. Right. Like I was like, I yeah. imagine that's how somebody when they go to Mecca or somebody go to, you know, the Jerusalem. Like that's how I felt in that yeah. place. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Then I got, I remember I, I went downstairs and saw the Wilt Chamberlain, the Wilt, I saw the Wilt Chamberlain um, uh, jersey hanging up, and that had, it was ripped. And stuff like that. No, it's like this is like somebody. This is like a holy grail type right. of thing. This is you know. You know to, was that the one he scored hundred in? I don't think it was that no. one. But you know how you know Rob yeah. knows. I, Rob knows. I'm always going off about Wilt Chamberlain because I you know I, I I always say Wilt Chamberlain I think is the greatest basketball player ever. From a stat perspective, how can you argue that he was? How can you? How can you? How can you argue? How can you argue statistically, like a guy who like? But there's just so many minor things about like he never fouled out of a basketball game. Oh wow, I didn't know that. He never like he he had 27 blocks in a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Can you th- imagine that? Imagine a per- watching a person get 27 blocks yeah. in a game. He. He when he was six, <laughs> when he was sixteen, the PIAA didn't have jurisdiction over Philadelphia schools, so he was playing semi-pro ball at sixteen, wow. averaging like forty a game, and then in the playoffs he was averaging like seventy. Wow! As a sixteen-year-old kid, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. That's like that's that's mythical. If 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 somebody were to tell you that there was somebody who did that kind of stuff, you'd be like, no, that well, it's impossible. How, so how does that happen? Like that has to be like some kind of ultra DNA or something. There's I, just something. But the people, the other people in his family, like nobody in his family is big like him. He's he's like the really? lone. He person. was what, seven. Yeah. He was he's, seven foot. He was he was. I, I think he was seven two. Seven, seven two. If you ever see him stand next to Shaq, he makes Shaq look small. I've seen him shake. That's saying something. I saw him. I saw him shake Shaq's hand, and he gripped Shaq up and shook him. Right, like you know what I mean. Like I was yeah. like, I didn't think you could do that to Shaq. But there's a lot of people say he was the strongest basketball player ever. Lived. Yeah, I I had heard him say or, or read it. That he said that there was times when he would let up if somebody was like up there close yeah. to blocking it. He would let up because. He didn't want to break their arm. Like he didn't want to take their arm into the rim and break their arm because yeah. he knew he had that power to do that. So he would he would ease up. He ease up. Not hurt. There was a guy. There was a guy, uh, Johnny Red Kerr. He used to like. Uh, he ended up with the Bulls organization, but he, when he was in the league, he said one time Wilt dunked the ball, <coughs> and it came through the hoop so hard it hit his foot and broke his foot. What? <laughs> he said that he hit it until like after the game. And he's like, I didn't want to tell people that's what happened. He said, but that's what happened. I mean, we're talking about somebody. He, I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger say he. He's that, an alien. Come on. I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> say he would come into the gym and do what the he would do more than what the strongest guys in the gym were doing. Because uh, he was just he, he was. Uh, but he was always he wasn't real. 
His his thick like he's uh, the his, picture I can I'm maybe you're I'm thinking of maybe like when he's younger, younger but maybe. like when he, when he gets older he feels like, like he was he played at like three something his weight like his uh, weight eventually like he was playing at like three something like yeah. can you imagine a three like he he was fast agile he was agile yeah. if somebody asked him one time he said. <laughs> Would you play? Would you play Michael Jordan in his prime? And he said, "He was like, well, how much money would you put on Michael Jordan against Wilt Chamberlain in his prime?" I, I, I think Wilt Chamberlain personally would destroy Michael Jordan. What can you do? He, he can back. Yeah. He can literally back you underneath the basket yeah, and dunk on you every time. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You know. And you wonder why does he not get that title? Well, but because the idea is is that he played at a time when he was playing against slow white people, slow little white guys. That's the story, but that's not true. Because yeah. he was playing against like Willis Reed and Bill. Mm. Ru- he right. got fifty six rebounds on Bill Russell. Right. We're talk- Bill Russell's the greatest winner in American sports. Right. In, in a game, he <laughs> got fifty six rebounds on him. Yeah. I think what? too. It's hard. Like he he played long. Like I never saw him play. I don't remember him. Like I've heard, learned more about him <coughs> talking to you than I ever knew before. I that. evangelize about him. Now. Uh, I know that's what Sunny Sunny Hill from down in Philly. He's always talking about him because he grew up with him. So yeah, the excitement I, around basketball wasn't there at that at that time. But but still, I mean, we have an excitement around some of the other players. You but know, you also, yeah. nowadays you have about all those people. You have constantly people. You know, it's always a comparison, Michael against somebody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's like the argument. I say, listen, there's only one person who ever scored a hundred points in a the game. There's only there's only one person who ever averaged fifty for a season. What's funny was when uh, James Harden this year, he was going crazy scoring. I think he averaged, I, I don't know, it was like close to 40 points over in a certain span. Yeah. And like they showed like the record book, right? You know who's above him the whole in every in every screenshot? It was it's Will. It's always I thought, Will. I thought about it's you every time Will. I saw it. He has, the, he has more, he has, I mean. And James Harden was doing that with three pointers, <laughs> right? You mean yeah, like right. Chamberlain's yeah. playing at a time he scored a hundred points in a game and the Euro and step. couldn't even shoot a three, <laughs> right? And the Euro step or whatever yeah, that they call it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But people don't—they don't really talk about. I think it has a uh, part of it might have to do with his championships. He only won two, um, but but you got to remember he was playing yeah. against the Celtics of that time. That was a yeah. that was the greatest. What did they that, win? That eleven during that great, time. Well, I Bill know Russell? Russell himself got eleven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a great team. It was a it was a great organization. Yeah. They yeah. continued yeah. that through different players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you know he won one with Philly, and then he won one with um, with L.A. But I think a lot of people, you know, in that time, they just think about well, Bill Russell and them. Bill Russell had the greatest team of that time, but the greatest player of that time, well, I mean, he changed the sport. He changed yeah. the way they played the sport. Right. And, you know, that's, I'm, I, I just don't understand. If you well, look at the yeah, record book, if, if you think about because it, of, because well, of him, yeah. if you think about it this way, if he played today and Michael played today, who you th- he, he, I would. It would be that with the rules, 
the rules were different back then. Now it's like you can't really touch anybody and stuff. He, he would just crush everybody. <laughs> he told well, he told he uh, he had more of a finesse game because real he said a lot. Of, he said he couldn't play like Shaq because he said back in that day that was an offensive foul. Right. He oh just, really? He couldn't just he. So if you watch him, he shoot a lot of like. Sometimes he would shoot like a fa- he had a fadeaway jumper. Sometimes he he'd had a finger roll. It was never really I'm gonna bang you underneath and just dunk on you because he probably could have did that every time. Right. You know he was a finesse player. <clears throat> Part of that had to do with <clears throat> he never wanted people to think that he was just succeeding because he was big. Like he was a globe trotter. The globe trotters are the most skilled. I think the most skilled basketball players in the world. Yeah. They, yeah. You kind of have to be. You watch videos of them, and it's just, like, crazy. Like, it's like, how them guys not in the NBA just cry? I, I don't know. Just, like, that's my first thought. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you see them with all that skill, and it just feels like they should be in the NBA. Well, but. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a prestige to being a globetrotter. I, I almost yeah. played for a fake globetrotter like team. There's this team called the Harlem Wizards. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I almost played. Yeah. I almost played for them one time. Well, they're actually from Harlem. I mean, the globetrotters are like yeah, they're owned by the I forget who it is, Phoenix Suns organization yeah, or something uh, at this yeah. point now. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think with him, you know, people they they see they 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 almost feel like it was unfair. You know, they're like, well, look at yeah. how big he was. See what I mean? He got scored 100 points. You know, it's like, well, he couldn't do that against the people today. How do you know that? How do you yeah. really, do you really think that those people are more sound, like, uh, you know, uh, skills-wise? Yeah, I, I doubt it. I, I was like, today, uh, today. There's not he, many good he centers. He have a harder time in, like, you know, with the Patrick Ewings and David Robinson. When they yeah. were all there. Than now, because right now, yeah. who do you who, got? Who, 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 Embiid? <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best option. I, I don't know anybody else. They said I, that Capella from Houston, he's pretty good defensively. He told um, he t- I, I heard Bill Walton say one time that when they had that fifty greatest thing, that they were all sitting something in this room, and it was Wilt and talking to Michael. They were just both trying to say, you know, why they were the best and stuff, and. Um, Bill Walton said, then Wilt looked at Mike and he said, you know, they changed the game to make it harder for me. They changed the game to make it easier Ooh. for you. Oh, yeah. And he said, and that was the end of the conversation. Where did Wilt rank on that in that top 50? I forget where they put him. Where was Michael? Mike had to be. He's probably top. I mean, every Mike was had to be top three, five, five yeah, you know, he top well, three, five. you know. Mike had to be up there, but you know, I just feel like with a person who who did, like he, you know, he was a freak of nature. Like I, when you start to really get into the stories, like he, like he raced Jim Brown at a party. Remember you tell me, and that he one. beat That's him crazy. twice in a row. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but like yeah. the it's thing crazy. is, though, if he if he would have been around now or in the late nineties, the way media is. He would have been. Would have been different. It would have been different. Like, yeah. he, like those things that you're talking about would have been you recorded. Think, yeah. you, uh, what's his name? Stephen A. Smith would have been like yeah, all right. over that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So it would have been just out there and like. So he would grow. He was in a time where media wasn't what it is today. Uh, it's just like 
they'll be st- you know sometimes they'll be asking stuff they'll be like is LeBron playing too many minutes and stuff like that and I can't help but to think like there was a time <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain averaged more minutes than there were in a game one season because he played, he played every moment and it, it, you know, he yeah. played more minutes. Or even the overtime. It's like minutes it's like Nolan yeah. Ryan, right? It's they, like, what? Nolan Ryan, they're like like pitch counts nowadays. Like Nolan Ryan, he threw every day as hard as he could, like he was in a game, and like as many pitches as he could. All he did was throw, and I mean, he pitched till he was like forty two, forty three. I mean, think about the old football players. Them yeah, guys played that. both ways. They played offense yeah. and defense. Yeah. And now you got guys that <laughs> played like specialty defensive players or specialty yeah, offensive special players. Teams. Yeah, like <laughs> like even. it's like okay, well, twenty years ago, Truck Benaric played both ways and he was a beast. You yeah. know, he wasn't worried about like how many snaps he played. He's like, just put me on the field. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different kind of a. Specialized, like they have, like you know, it's like I played football in high school, like I played every sport. Nowadays, it's like, well, no, you you're really good at football. Specialized. Let's let's just let, let's, don't worry about baseball, don't worry about basketball, any yeah. that, any of that stuff. I thought that all of those things, every sport I play, influenced the other one. Like you know what I mean? They all like they do. Like my footwork on a basketball court is because of soccer. Oh, absolutely. Right. I watch. I, you can watch basketball players and be like, "Oh, that's soccer footwork." I used to watch like Rajon Rondo. He had all. I'd always watch him. I mean, look at his footwork. That's soccer. Steve right Nash. There. Yeah. Steve Nash. That's yeah. soccer. You yeah. have, you learn how to set your feet in certain ways. Wasn't Embiid even a soccer Embiid, player? Even yeah. Embiid. That's a soccer player. Like, um, yeah. Giannis. That's, oh, that's yeah? a soccer player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in this world now, I've you know I feel like. And even when I was coaching, I started to see it. It's like, I always hated back in the day when the, the older heads, they'd be like, Yo, you know, salt, young boys getting soft and stuff. But I start, you know, you start to watch. You start to see there are certain elements of the game that are kind of being lost. Like, I know you must see with, like, you know, being involved with the AAU programs. Like, an AAU player is a particular type because they're being groomed for a particular life. The right. even though most of them won't live that life, right? But they're being groomed for a particular life, and there's a certain like I, I think LeBron is kind of like he's kind of like the king of the AAU yeah. player, like. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's other people like Carmelo Anthony. Like, these, these sure. you know, everybody yeah. from that time on were like yeah. all AAU players. Yeah. Or LeBron like changed things for sure. You know, the AAU players, are, because in in some ways, it's the beginning of professional athletics. Yeah. In a lot of yeah. ways, it's the beginning. How many, how many high school basketball games were on ESPN before LeBron? Not many, Not I many. guarantee it. Right. After LeBron, a whole bunch. Changed everything. Changed everything. Yeah. You know, but he, he, you know, but yeah, I mean, you watch it with the kids though. And sometimes like I'll tell kids like it, it can't just be about like, all right, a playing a you playing for your school stuff. That's, that's one thing, but there's another type of player that come from traveling to where people play ball and trying to go take their court over. Like that's 
You know what I mean? Like that's right. that. You know, that's I was right. made off of that. Yeah. And there's a particular type of mentality <laughs> of, oh, we're just yeah. coming here to pretty much just take your court. Yep. Over. That's like, it. listen. That's exactly you know it growing up in New Holland. But we start as soon as I got my license, we take little pockets and like we're going to every court in Lancaster every weekend. We'll go to a new court. We'll go to a new court. We want to we want to prove ourselves. Yeah. And it take this court to relieve our mark here. That's how I used to. I used to, I used to, I used to walk up the courts feeling like some sort of mercenary. Like I like I was just coming to just. I was just coming to just take all of your fans. Like that's how I was, you know. But that's like that is that's that's some. I feel like that is kind of being lost to some people because it's like. I'm like something you you'd have to like search for these things like yeah you'd have to come across certain courts and things like that by accident and things like that now it's just like everybody knows where they can play so they play there and they don't go other places and you gotta the other part is you gotta play in hostile environments like yeah. I you know what I mean like so you can have thick skin you know what I mean like yeah. I've been I played on courts. You know, where I knew people on the sideline had guns and stuff. Like, I, you yeah. know, I that's a different, you know, it, it's nothing uh, compared to, you know, when you, you know, you're playing at some rec I mean, center, you know. Right. I go places. We I went, We were down to Daytona Beach. I'll never forget this because it was first time. But we were in Daytona Beach, and the one guy I went with, he never, he doesn't play basketball. So I go, we went together. We were down there for like a week. I go play basketball. And, like, it was, you know, it was rough, you know. But we were playing, you know, you're playing whatever. Yeah. One guy elbowed the other guy right in the face. And that dude went right for his car. And, like, these were people yeah. these were people that played there every day. Like, they were, they lived there. I'm, the, I'm like, I'm kind of like, should I be worried? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're sure. like, yeah, you should probably leave. <laughs> He's going for his gun. I'm like, oh, I'll see you guys. I'm out. <laughs> I was in Reading one time. Something like that happened. I was playing. And uh, the dude uh, going to the trunk, and then like <laughs> you know, people like you know they talked him out of it. But he started walking that way, you know, they talked him out of it. But it's like that's how like like that environment it creates a different like like a different player. Like when I played up in uh, I played in the Coatesville Summer League, like uh, this was years ago, and. You know that was a hostile environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was a hostile. Yeah. I'm I'm out of town. Like yeah. I'm from out of town. Like then they started to know me. They're like, "Oh, you from Ephrata? Like you can't even play ball." It's like, uh, all right, I mean, if that's what you think, you know what I mean? Like that's, I mean that was, but part of that was the reason. Like it spurred me to like like my game. I had it kicked my game up, and like like I was an all star up there. Like. But your style is like, like a, as a you take people's pride and and you just kind of crush it a little. Yeah. I learned the art, <laughs> I learned the, I learned the art of demoralization. Yes, for from sure. Michael Jordan. Yes, you know for sure. Michael yeah. Jordan would do things he didn't have to do in order to get mental edges yeah. that you could oh, yeah. that you can't like you know like um that that famous one in in the finals where, where he switched hands on the Lakers. Yeah, he didn't have to do right. That. Right. He he could have. It was just an extra dagger. He did it in, <laughs> for psychological purposes. Sometimes, like I'll just, I, sometimes yeah. I'll throw it up. I'd get because his theory would just be get it up on the rim. Yeah, <laughs> oh, get, 
Get it up on the uh, rim. When we play Sundays and I'm playing on your team, and then I, I just, I don't know how many, I see people shake their heads. It's just like, I'm like, that's, yeah. you know? But you always notice, I don't pay it no mind. No, I don't pay it no mind. I enjoy it. Because I, I, I know I can't do it, so I enjoy it. I do it because I know somebody's going to, uh, it's, like, it's like on the Matrix when, the, when the, uh, they were running, he jumped over the thing and, and jumped far. And then the, the cop got to it. He said, that's impossible. I can't do it. If you can make a person believe that you can do something that they yeah. can't even conceive, then you, you, you're, you're broken. You're, yeah. you, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's all a mentality. It's, it's so such a mental game. It because is. if I demoralize you mentally, your defense is going to suffer physically. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to be like you. You. Everybody knows what it's like to play against a person who's like defending you with confidence. But if you when you break somebody's confidence, you know, they just yeah. they start making stupid they just let dumb stuff oh, to go. Get to them, make mistakes. About get three weeks ago I watched um a documentary on, on Bird and I watched Bird some growing up, but like not yeah. a lot a lot. because uh, I wasn't a Celtics fan like that. Yeah. But Michael Jordan was, was speaking on him, he's just like the most intelligent player I've ever played against. And then the trash talk that he did. Yeah. So different <laughs> different people were talking on that. They said like multiple times, but one guy was talking about he did it to him. He faked a three and he's like, I jumped to block him. And as he came back down, as I went past him, he tapped the ball on my Captain, ass yeah. and <laughs> then turned around and hit the three just to say like, Got you. Yeah. And he like he did stuff like he would walk out in the court and it's like one of his story was it was they were down by one. They had the ball with like with like nine seconds and they called a timeout and they went to the, they came out from a timeout. He he went from this is talking to the defender. I forget who it was that was defending him or an black I forget who it was, uh, but yeah. And he's I, like, This is what our play is gonna be. Um oh. we're gonna set a pick on you. I'm going to catch the ball right here. I'm going to shoot it in your face, and we're going to win the game. And he's like, that's exactly what he said. He might have been like two feet over, but he's like, that's exactly what happened. happened. And then he's like, he looked up at the clock, and he's like, damn. He's like, like, damn what? He's like, I left two seconds on the clock. (laughs) It was like, he was just constantly talking. But that mentality of, like, you get in people's heads. And then you deliver. And it's like, yeah. Because, I mean, when I play, I don't really do a lot of, like, talking and no. stuff. But it's about, um, it's about, uh, basketball's a game of belief. Like, you know, that's why I always say, you know, I always use basketball as uh, an example of, um, sometimes when I'll be talking to people about, like, religion, I'll talk, I'll, I'll use this basketball metaphor. And I'll say, you know, there's a fundamental difference between belief and knowledge. They're not the same things. Even though they get kind of mistaken to mm, be the same mm, thing. Yeah. I say, when I play basketball and I shoot a basketball, I believe it's going to go in. I believe it. I don't know that. Even if right. sometimes I was like, oh, I knew that one was going in. You don't know that. Right. You just believe it. Knowledge is, I know I can make a basket. Because I've done it. Yeah. There's knowledge. Yeah. There's, there's, I've proven that. Yeah. There's a difference between belief and knowledge. So... Sometimes they like I'll do uh, if I do a crazy layup or something. Somebody somebody be like, "How did you know that was going to go in?" I didn't know that, but you believed it. I believed it. <laughs> yeah, right. But I didn't know yeah, it. Right. But it, but how's that different from any other shot? How's that? 
You know, how's that different from uh, uh, any three-pointer that people take? Yeah. You know, because... You don't shoot it if you don't believe it's going yeah. in. Well, but you but, know that you're not going to make 100% of those shots. The thing I like with the young kids, you know, was when I was coaching, they would talk, you know, they, they love, you know, they love shooting threes now. You know, I know. They, you know, they love shooting. Yeah, they, love, they love it. They love yeah. it. They love shooting threes. <clears throat> and I'll tell them, i say, you know, did you, I'll say, do you remember, you know how, how Ray, Ray Allen's three three point percentage for his career? Was maybe in like the Four, low was it forty two, something like that. The low fort. That's Ray Allen. That's the that's one of the best shooters that ever lived, who was shooting five hundred jumpers a day, and you you think you yeah. you think you can shoot that like him? Do right. you shoot five hundred jumpers? A, like do do you shoot ten jumpers a week? Right. <laughs> do, what do you do? You know. And that three point ball, like I get it. Like I mean, yeah, it's. I guess you know yeah. people love the long ball. Well, it's it's like that pendulum you talk about, right? It, it was it'll swing back, right? Because there's no centers, right? There's the yeah. centers are depleted in the NBA. It's like an old thing. We don't this, we no we don't need centers. Just put some shooters around. Yeah, we'll be good. And then somebody will be a center will come along, and they'll be really successful. And then they'll be trying to find the next great center, right? Like I mean, yeah. Embiid is kind of like I guess I don't know if he's considered a center, but yeah, he, I people mean, considering him who's the guy be- from. From Denver. Oh, uh, Jokic. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Like, I like him. He's, you know, and like that, those type of guys. And but they're then, not like, they're, you know, that's not. They're not a true that center. Ain't Shaq. That ain't, no, it's that's not Shaq. Not Akeem, you know, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, I think that the reason why the big man became like this is because it was imbalanced in the first place. Because in the first place, they would just treat the big man like, oh, go, you know, learn back, back to the basket, you know. You know, yeah. and they pounded because I, when I was in, I played center in high school because everybody else was small. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to play center. You know, I had to play center. When we got to the states, you know, by that time I'm playing six, seven, six, eight all the time. You know, right? So, I, but I like playing big people because they don't really, they're not as feisty as little people. That's, right. that's I weird. find that definitely over the years. They're not because people don't mess with them. You don't people don't mess with big people. You yeah. know what I mean? Like people like will smack like a little person or something like yeah. when you're a kid. But big people, people don't mess with them, and right. that makes it gentle giant. Type. Right? Yeah, I was always so, on Geo's team, and then I was the big dude. Yeah, like yeah. I'm playing the centers. I'm like Geo. I'm like five ten. You, you know, when I was a kid though, when they were like trying to make me a center, you know, it was back to the basket, yeah. rebound, don't dribble, this stuff. They don't like right. the rough and of stuff. Co- and it was so imbalanced that eventually. You know, I think what broke it was like Dirk. Dirk broke yeah. the way that people viewed the center. They were like, "Oh wait, you can be a big person and shoot threes And yeah, not that there weren't people who did that before. Sure, but not that extreme. But, but not that extreme because even Manute Bowl shot threes. <laughs> you see that one? I was watching a clip. He hit like five threes in one half. Who Manute? Yeah, Manute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He had like six total. He hit not one in the second half, but it was like four or five in one half. And I don't think he shot many other after that. But I was like, well, what's going on? Yeah, you see how good his son is? Yeah. His yeah. son's good. Yeah, I've seen that. People said, even, uh, people said even Wilt could shoot outside, but he just didn't because he said he knew where his worth was. Like, you know, yeah. that's the one thing. 
I always try to tell, you know, young basketball players. Yeah. You have you to know, know you, who you are. Like, What's your role? What, what is your role? Yeah. Who are you? What do you do good? And what don't you do well? Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that influences everything that's going to happen in, in the game, you know. I don't know. Sometimes, like, you know, for young kids, I, I feel like they don't even make that analysis. Like, they don't even look. I'm like, do you see how slow that guy's feet are? You're trying to yeah. shoot. Yeah. <laughs> do you see that that guy doesn't want to guard you in the post? Yeah. Do you, do you see that? Yeah. You yeah. We like, had a we actually on Thursday we had brought um there's a a guy I know Sam McDuffie, um who put a team together. I mean he's a serious baller. Like he's he's the best baller that lives in Lancaster. I mean we have Lamar Patterson who played in the NBA. We have Dustin Salisbury. All those names you heard. He's better than all of them. And everybody that plays in leagues knows that. It's kind of like. Um, left handed? Yeah, left handed. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Me, me, Sam, um, me, Sam, and Mike, we won. Um we won, we won a three on three. Con- uh, three that, on three. Oh, con- no, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was actually. <laughs> it's funny because when I started playing on this team, I was thinking I, I, I didn't get a chance to get a hold of him in time. But I, but I wanted Sam on this team, oh, yeah. you know, the, on my semi pro team. You know, his we, teams never lose. Like they always, they always want to win because yeah, Sam is nice. He's going to take over. He just takes over, and you can't block him. Like his shot is so smooth. He's just it's the same. Anyway, he put a he was coaching a team at the Nook. Is all twenty year olds, twenty twenty one year olds. So he brought them on Thursday to scrimmage against our guys. And it needed that to happen because all the stuff that we're teaching and teaching and teaching, I don't know, it's just like doesn't sink in. Now I'm like, watch how they're playing defense. Watch how they play the two three. Watch how they play man. Like don't just play them and you're trying and you're just haphazardly trying to win this game because they're there to teach as well as as well as destroy our kids. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's, 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 <laughs> but I know I've been a part of some of those. Hey, you got you got to come. And their kids need to hear that, so they started playing. You see them started to play the two three. Like they keep. Going back to like, you know, let me settle back to the three point line. You know, the two guards up top. Like, no, you know, you need to be communicating. So I'm like, listen how they're talking to each other, and now you start to do that. Like, this is what we've been trying to coach, but to see somebody do it on the floor is different for them than uh, just hearing us say. Because now they see why they see it in action, and they see why that talking matters on defense. It's another voice too. What's that? It's not a voice other than yours. Yeah, yeah. Is Lamar, yeah. is Lamar still in the league? No, I'm not sure where he's playing. I think he was. Yeah, I mean, I I played I played against Lamar. I played I played against Dustin in high school. Yeah, Dustin was a yeah. year older than me. When yeah, I was in high school. When Dustin, he decided to turn, like he didn't play three quarters of the game, and then he decided to turn it up, and was like, he has that, you know, he, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, but it, I mean, but that's that's funny though, because it's like I've I've often thought that about Sam. Like, I was like, man, like. I, I don't know too many people who even want to try to guard Sam. I Everybody like, I, that I know that plays in leagues like Nook or wherever, every baller that's a serious baller that I know is like Sam is the best player I've ever played. I mean, I can't – defense used to be my thing. I know I'm slower at 42. But still, there's – Sam's like, I don't know which way he's going. Like I, And then he'll throw me off balance and just be past me like that. I'm like, I – it's he has a really quick first step. Like his yeah. first step is real quick, and you know I I've always liked because it's like there's in of Lancaster ballers. There's like you know there's those top tier ballers. You know there's uh, even um, 
I used to play or when I was playing in Harrisburg. I played with um, uh, you know, Bird. Yeah. I played with Bird and I played with Akeem Washington. Like, yeah, yeah. He, you know, um, he played with Bird, young the son Bird, not Coach Bird, who's like in his fifties. No, 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 the son. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we played on that Harrisburg Horizon team. We we playing in uh, I forget what that league was. <laughs> it fell apart. But um, you know. That those Lancaster ball players though, like I've always felt like I've been in competition with them, but because I'm not from there, there's always um, with me. There's always like a a, a cult, like a like, uh, I don't know. It's like a cultural divide yeah, because it's like right. I come from somewhere else, and people. Right. This one dude when I was playing at the Hempfield Rec. He was at, like, I was playing, he, and he asked somebody, like, I think he asked my brother or something, like, he was like, where did that dude from? He's like, oh, he's like, we're from Ephrata. He's like, that dude's not from Ephrata. Like, he tried to tell my brother <laughs> that I wasn't from I was like, dude, like, you know, I I know why you wouldn't think that, but it's like, I'm like a, like a, like, my parents are from Chester. Like, we, like, we, yeah. ball player wise, like, that's what, you know, that's what, yeah. you know. Like even like I think um Coach Powell, like he's from Chester. Like there's yeah. there's um you know, there's a whole lineage. Like my one of my cousins was uh he was he coached Jameer in um in high school. I saw Jameer play against McCaskey in, in I think it was like a it was I don't know if it was a district game, playoff game. But Jameer was like oh man, Jameer Nelson in high school Yeah was like I changed my number to fourteen after watching him. Like, you know, really? he was, yeah, he was he, he was just killing people. And um, you know, I think it, it, you know people feel like when you come from places like this, like you can't, like you're not gonna co- compete against the same people. But I like I play against. I go wherever and play. Right. You know, I I I, I just love playing. You know, it's like an addiction to me. <laughs> Have you played with um, Lamont? King, have you ever heard of him? It looks like everybody calls him James Harden. It's possible. I play with so many people that <coughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like I, you know, definitely there was a time in I was in Lancaster. Just I, I just like playing down there. It was close, <laughs> you know, because I was all at that time too. I was I was in I was playing places in Philly. I was going to play in Delaware, Jersey. I was I was playing a lot of places back when I was like my mid twenties. Yeah, nice. But it's you know you don't. I think with a lot of them. You know, um, definitely, like, with somebody like Salisbury, like, I feel like he, there, I, I feel like there was a, there were people around him who were trying, who, who were keeping that on track. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there was a, you know, there was a support system, so to speak. Yeah. I don't think anybody who I grew up with ever believed in me to that right. to that level like they were just yeah. like oh well you're good but this is effort <laughs> you know right. I mean? but like it, I, I mean but all those guys you know I play you know I've played against them I've you know I've played in all kinds of different places where like at tryout like when I went to D league tryout just to watch some of the people who were there is just like you know, Lancaster, they got good ball players, but it's like it's a, yeah. it's a it's a big world and there's some people yeah. in the, in this yeah. world who are like 
Oh, man. That's not, you know, watch them and Jerry Johnson's and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't take any away from what they've done and who not they are. Not at but, all. But again, when I play with somebody like Sam, my, my wife, I think the first couple times like, I met him and played with him, she probably got to say, like, why are you riding this guy? I'm like, because I've literally never seen anybody play like this. That's why. What, like, the, it's, that's crazy. First know? time I played against Sam, I played against him, I think, at, I think I was playing in a league in... Um, I was the the Lidditz, like, wreck. And, you know, in those leagues, you know, I'm used to, you know, you know, you can do what you, you know, I can do what I want, really, you know. But he was the first person who I played against in one of those leagues that made me really just kind of be like, like, I can't, I can't mess with him. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it was, you know, and it was, it was, I love battling against him, though, because it's, it's so competitive. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. It, w- when you compete on certain levels, and I've noticed this ever since like I started playing like with this semi-pro team and stuff. When you play on certain levels, you need a certain level of competition. Like when you go back down and you're just playing at like Rex and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You can become real complacent yeah. and just like kind of like tune level. out because yeah. you're just like, this is nothing compared to what I was just dealing with. Right. Like, you know. But that's why I've always enjoyed playing against like high level competition, because that'll bring the best out of me. You know? Yeah, it'll there's make a, me wake up. There's a kid at Coatesville now, Brickus. He's pretty he's shorter. Um, I can't think what his first name is, but he's going D one, and uh, we watched McCaskey play Coatesville in Coatesville this year, and this kid is he's the real deal too. It's just like. You know, the same thing. You tell people there's just something that just totally sets him apart on the court. His body moves in in ways, quickly in ways for his size that, like, most people just can't What about do. the kid from Reading that he graduated? Lonnie Walker. To, yeah. yeah he was at the Spurs. He got injured. He hurt his on. knee, right? Yeah, something like that. that was yeah. his, I think it was his knee. I think it was, too. But uh, I know Gio said he was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and an amazing kid. Like, yeah, that, oh, I hear he's my cousin. Somehow, my cousin—I don't even know how we got on the subject—but somehow, my cousin like knew, didn't know him in particular, but knew like the people that were around him. And he said, just like, yeah, one of the greatest kids. Yeah, the person that he is is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I didn't know it, but like, um, at the time when like he was like, you know, it was this, you know. He was still in college, and he was about to go to the league. And I, I, I was working at this place, and the dude, I was working with a guy who, like, was his cousin and stuff. And then he was like, I know a lot of those people, like, seem to pop up and go, well, that's my cousin. <laughs> but, now, like, he actually, like, knew, like, he knew, like, who, like, his, all of his family and stuff like that. And, yeah, people have always said good stuff about him, you know. I never got to play against him. That was something that was I always regretted because... I used to play a lot in Reading. Um, I used to play. I used to play against um, Danielle Marshall's son. Oh, get out! Yeah, yeah. He, he. I actually used to coach. Uh, I was coaching. Uh, like I was a assistant coach at a PAL league. Or it was like AAU. It was organized by the PAL. But like yeah. he was like I was coaching the second team and he was on the first team and he was like long and I never knew what happened to him because I thought he had a future like. Definitely, definitely with his dad. Mm. I'm sure he's probably playing somewhere, but like his dad being mm. like the 
I mean, you can go to Europe and, and play over yeah. in Europe and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's make options. Money. There's I mean, options. I think I saw is Stefan Marbury still playing in China. Yeah, he's still playing. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Stefan's still playing. He's like a legend over there. He's a legend. There's statues yeah. of him. Nice. Yeah. He's awesome. he's reform. He he's he became one of the most influential people in Chinese culture. Nobody would yeah. ever think that about that Stefan Marbury. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> like, for him. But that's Steph- cool. But like um. Uh, even um, what's his face? Um, the other dude that's over there, you, Jimmer. Jimmer oh, for that, oh, yeah, he's, he's like well, a he legend. Just I didn't know what Jimmer, Jimmer for that is a legend. He was in China. Yeah, he was scoring crazy, and then the Suns signed him. I think for the rest of the year. I, I think it was the Suns. I can't remember. Uh, when this past yeah, when when the the China when the season was over in China, he came over here, and I think the Suns signed him. Yeah, I mean, I know that they played the Rockets. His team his chinese team they played the rockets um a season or two ago yeah, and, you know he can still score you know he's yeah but you know a lot of guys go over there and get money and you know i remember jr smith did that not too yeah. long ago yeah. and then he came back even uh andrew bogut i know he was in australia yeah he was and just came back like did you play against todd o'brien oh was yeah that, yeah, yeah. So he's been he's I guess now living in Lancaster. He will, should be back soon. I I took Todd um I took Todd with me uh up to Coatesville one day. Like we played nice. he played on our, my Coatesville league team. Nice. He didn't get he, but he was about to leave, so he only got to play like once up there. But yeah, yeah I played against him. Uh, Todd was um when I was a senior, I think Todd was in 10th grade. Okay. So he was all, he was pretty big, but real you know, skinny back he then. He was though. real skinny, yeah. you know what I mean? And you know, but I you know, we guarded each other. I was playing center. Tom was what still like six eight, six nine at that time. Right. He was still tall. You know? His dad was my math teacher. Mr. That's O'Brien. Right, Mr. O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, he was my math teacher and my, I think, junior high football te- coach or something he's, like that. He's much thicker. But now. I remember, though, you look at him, Mr. O'Brien, you look at him, he had glasses and stuff, and he was, like, balding and stuff. Yeah. He w- he dunked in gym one day. We were all, like. Really? I yeah. Mean, I never seen him do that. Yeah, we were all, like, he was in, like, like pants and a shirt, and he just ran up and dunked. We're, like. What just happened? <laughs> Mr. O'Brien, the math teacher, just dunked. We, you know, we. But he was in the <coughs> army and stuff. It was funny yeah. though. I was um, I I gone out. I was with Dean the other day. Oh, not the other day. This was like how's he a couple doing? Months ago. Dean's good, and I mean, um, I heard he got an apartment or something. Oh yeah, man. Right, like right above Bella Luna. Yeah. Okay. But I was with Dean, and um, I guess well, his sister had gotten married and. Todd's Todd's sister was with her. And I never met any of Todd's family, but they were like, oh, you know, you know, my brother was like, yeah, I used to play with him and stuff. Because his one sister, she's real yeah, tall. Yeah, she's like 6'2 <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, like, like like his one sister's like 6'. She got, she, I wouldn't be surprised she was like 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, wow. But, like, you know, like it, it's, it, it's a small world, you know? Yeah, it is. Definitely, it's weird because I started talking to New Holland people, like all around, like when I started talking to Jesse and you know Dean and all, and then we started doing this and it's like I, you know, Geo's always been kind of around. And yeah, stuff. I've always liked New Holland people though. It's kind of funny, like how some of us have migrated over this way. Yeah, it's really. I know. I was thinking about that. There's quite a few. <laughs> I was in the, I was in the effort of league, the effort of summer league, one game, and there was like. 
me and my brother were the only two people playing who like weren't from New Holland. Like, like really? the guys we were playing yeah. went from New were from New Holland, <laughs> and then the other team was all New Holland guys. <laughs> it's funny because like, well, when Gio was younger, and we used to, he used to run a did a league over and at the New Holland Park, and the effort guys, like the Dynasty guys, like. Uh, like house and all house, them guys, yeah. they would come over, yeah. and we always be trying. Oh, like almost fighting them guy. Oh, yeah. I hated it. Like <laughs> house is house But he is one of the most friendly. Like now, like friendly, real house, friendly with them. Yeah, house is like house is like my old head. Like him and my man right now. Like they 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 were in school at the same time mm-hmm. together. Like they, you know they, um, you know they've always been friends and stuff. But, like, I grew up playing against House. You know what I mean? Like, so I have to play against him. And then, like, when I would play against, like, other big men, like, it really wasn't anything astonishing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it right. wasn't astonishing mm-hmm. to me. It was just yeah. like, you know, the you, I don't have to worry about these big men usually shooting threes. House would shoot threes. Yeah. Like, you know, that, yep. you know, that, that adds a whole different element yeah. when, they, when they can shoot a three, but can still play in the post. Yeah. Because yeah. the, guy, the guys who you see now, even on the in the in, in the league, when they shoot the three, they, it's like they they lost something in the post. Right. People don't yeah. have moves. And yeah. I don't understand. Like, I watch Embiid. Embiid stole, I can tell he, he worked with Akeem because he stole Akeem's. Akeem has this move where he'll just have the ball, like he'll have the ball up here. And he'll come down and step. And that usually, because if the step doesn't get you, then him bringing the ball down, the yeah. defender's thinking, oh, he's going somewhere. Right. And Embiid gets somebody with that every game. You know, that kind of footwork and that kind of post moves, that's always what, I, <coughs> what I've been into. Because <coughs> when, <coughs> when you're little, playing in the post, you know, yeah. you need moves. You know, what do y'all think about Luca? <clears throat> Who Luca Doncic? I think he has. Um, it, I think he has the potential to be. Seems pretty good to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even like. I don't know. Like he, he has such an effect <clears throat> that. I mean, I hope it doesn't fizzle out. Yeah, it's amazing though. Like <clears throat> he started playing like when Dirk is on his way out. Yeah. And then he comes in, you know. Yeah. Same team, everything. Yeah, it's a torch passing. You know? To me, I seen now uh, is stay with me. <laughs> I see some similarities to watching Sam play, because Sam Sam does this thing where like he just very much visualizes his defender and where are you at, and you no, know, like my every step I take is gonna count, and I'm gonna wait till you make the <coughs> wrong step and lean the wrong way, and you're off balance, and then I'll pass you. Yeah. And Luca very much does that. It's not that he's blazing fast or quick, or, no. but it's like he knows what you're doing all the time. Like, all right, just I'm gonna wait for you. All right, let me get you going this way, and then I'll go this way. And it's just like he very much just reads everything around him, and he's in such control of himself that, um, but fizzle out I mean the only way I can see a fizzle out is if everybody's looking now like alright what do I need to do to defend this guy Is can we do something that's differently I mean. to defend him yeah, when he becomes be the thing when I've, he becomes yeah. the thing that's keyed in on like yeah and that's the, you know I think I think he's good enough to um, 
still be all right, you know, like because it happens right. to any right. any great right. score. Yeah, I feel like though, like once stuff like that happens, is like they start out real hot and then they kind of fizzle out as the rookie season goes on. Yeah, but like he seemed to he be consistent through the through. whole year. Yeah, the other guy I liked was that Trey Young. Oh yeah, he he started out the a little slow, half was crazy, but then yeah. the second half yeah. was crazy. He did take off because at first I was like, "Oh, this this had is a it. lot of turnovers." <laughs> he had a lot of turnovers, like just feeling his way out, like yeah. through it, you know. I think, uh, I mean, but I think, yeah, I think that Mavericks team they might be trying to like if Kristaps if he could stay healthy, yeah. I think that that yeah, that'd be interesting. Be yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a league full of. Not, I'm nice gonna start heading back to Lancaster soon. No, that's We're, a good hey, idea. Happy Mother's Day! Yeah, right. <laughs> to all the mothers listening. Oh, oh my wife's got to work tomorrow, so it's not great Mother's Day for her. No, anyway, that's yeah. that's that's messed up. She should claim uh, some sort of bigotry against <laughs> mothers. Well, I don't know how the old people that need their showers and put to bed and fed would feel about that, though. <laughs> what is she work? She's a uh, she works at Effort Manor. She's a nurse. Nice. But no, I think that's a, I think it's a good place to end yeah, it. For sure. and, uh, yeah, thank you guys again for inviting well, me in. For coming. Thanks for, for coming sure. on. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, you gonna you gonna do an intro? You like I, you? I, I'm gonna you do can like just a, do an intro and then that'll be our like intro for going forward. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah, it's a good. And idea. then we'll just kind of like we'll just have that and then we'll kind of go into it. So, but anyways. You want to take it out? Well, thanks, Dave, for coming. Uh, I had a good time. A little basketball talk, Dan. That was always good. That was good stuff. And uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and like the podcast. That'd be great. Will? I don't got nothing. We had had a good talk. And is this proves my point uh, like you know how we had the basketball theme forever we yeah yeah people we played basketball with right and stuff like that my theory again that basketball people are the best people <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just the way it works nice. so yeah we were probably like i think we only probably had two non-basketball maybe three non-basketball people on that's great very few yeah so all right well good night as always <laughs> thank you yes.